You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going back to the movies. We've assembled the Black Adam crew to talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods. But before we have that fun, <laughs> let's talk, let, let's meet our cast for this week. So first up, he is the guy that always has a drink in his hand, and that is my buddy, James. How are you doing, James? I'm good. All right, so what are we drinking today, James? Uh, so uh, it's one I think I've probably drank before on here, but it's uh, it's from a company called Stillwater. You know mm. it's got to be good whiskey because it comes in a turpentine can. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is not currently in a can. I just got this wonderful decanter. It was mm. uh, uh, our Bed Bath & Beyond is going out of business, so they had a big liquidation <laughs> sale, and it was like half price, and I was like, I'm buying it because I've always wanted one. But yeah, Very it's, a, it's, it's called a black bourbon. Uh, it's filtered mm. with coffee, uh, so it's got some of those coffee notes in there, but uh, it's just it's just a nice, smooth, dark whiskey. Like, I enjoy it okay. a lot. Okay, yeah, no, very nice. Yeah, because I remember last time you were on the show, we talked about the fact you were drinking coffee and not drinking oh, anything. Yeah, I right. was like, wait, like, isn't it coffee, like, mixed with something at least? Like, come on. <laughs> so now now you brought that. Yep, yep. <laughs> All right, well, anything new and exciting going on for you, James? You know, not particularly. Work is work. Uh, you know, still uh, just helping people at the credit union, all that. But uh, otherwise... Um gearing up to get committed and uh, get back to uh fencing uh so i'm really excited about that um but otherwise uh just kind of in a drought of games right now there's not a mo- not a lot out that's like super exciting uh but towards the end of the month the new uh jedi uh survivor game is coming out uh which is a sequel to jedi fallen order um which was super super fun uh you get to play cal kestis um who was a youngling uh padawan uh when order 66 went down and so his master managed to help him escape and get him away. And he's just been hiding out from the Empire uh, for many, many years. He's a young, uh, a, a young, a young man now. He's probably in his like early twenties, mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of reconnected to the Force at this point. Um, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's kind of interesting to see that the the whole like kind of what happened to the Jedi. Like that's always mm-hmm. kind of the question is like where where did they all go? Like not all of them died, but yeah. All right. Well, very cool. Very cool. Well, it's good to have you back on the show, James. Always good to be back. All right. Next up is um, someone who appears to be taking James's shtick away from him, and that is Nate. How are you doing, Nate? How dare you? Oh, hey, uh, I'm doing good. Um, <laughs> yeah. What are you just, drinking, Nate? I'm drinking a uh, a weeded bourbon. Mm. It's a bottle and bond. It's really nice. Okay. Right. 
Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I'm sorry. I get used to like James who can like give me like you know the the history of it and like you know like. Oh, well, this is uh, <laughs> oh here we go. A brand called Southern Star. It's mm. made by the distillery I work at. Oh, uh, okay, that's cool. It's called it's called Paragon, and it's our. Uh, we we started with a lot of different um, rye whiskeys, but this mm. weeded bourbon is our first bourbon that we made completely in our own distillery when you buy a bottle and bond there's a whole bunch of regulations and rules to say that it may it was made in one season it was distilled in one building aged in one building and it was all done on the same facility and then proofed to a hundred proof and uh they did it because after prohibition people were so desperate for any liquor that people were, you know, putting rubbing alcohol and acetone and mm. stuff in the bottles. And uh, so they made this law called bottle and bond. That way, you know, if if you're buying bourbon that's bottled and bond, it is uh, 100% bourbon. So very cool. Yeah, no, like now, now I'm thinking if I can find like one more person, like I should get like you and James on a, on a podcast with somebody <laughs> else and just have like, a, you know, like do a bourbon, uh, do a bourbon show. <laughs> yeah. Do a show about like, yeah, like James will talk whiskey. You'll talk bourbon, get somebody else to talk about something else and sort of talk about <laughs> like, you know, the various factors that go into making them, you know, yeah. like what, you know, what makes one better than the other, what your favorites are, stuff like that. Do you do like a, like, <laughs> and I just got my, uh, uh, Kickstarter game called distilled, which is a board game mm. about running a distillery. <laughs> and nice. it's, it's got a leg up on me. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's got like, it's James got like Google. a dozen different types of distilled spirits in it that you can make. <laughs> depending on your region and it all has these and you you can get a character you get a little character that you play and it's a, a historic distiller someone someone mm. who is a famous distiller and you can make the like, sam adams <laughs> the sam. jim bean but there's the guy who made there's the vo brandy and of uh, the vodka and uh, mm. stuff like that so it's pretty cool okay the Captain Morgan, the Captain Morgan, the, the original Captain Morgan. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I'm related to that guy. Are you Don't really? Die. Yeah, I share a distant relation to him. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. So, uh, Nate, uh, I know we went off on a tangent there. Anything new and exciting <laughs> going on for you? Oh, no, you know, just work, it's the same. Um, and uh, no, nothing new going on with me right now. All right, well, it's good to have you back on the show. All right, and finally, know him as the man who hates Pluto. He is the man that you love to hate, and that is Ryan. How are you doing, Ryan? Uh, I'm doing great, and uh, in honor of Pluto, tonight I'm drinking Gold Peak Real Brewed Tea. Um, <laughs> How is that in honor of Pluto? <laughs> yes, because this is zero sugar. It's not a real tea, just like Pluto's not a real planet. <laughs> Zero sugar, not a real tea, aged for about a week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And this fine. Oh, that actually is James. James, I should have like you and Nate on, and then I should have Cammy on to talk about like like the weird drinks that she drinks that are not alcoholic <laughs> at all, but just like <laughs> weird organic, like you know, super healthy like drinks. That's not even food, you know. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but you're so... missing your 
you're missing your opportunity there. I mean, you you don't need a show talking about drinks, although that's fine. You need to do like a, a live where everyone drinks while watching something or, you know, <laughs> but uh, everybody do a drinking does game. That. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> And they they're popular. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. All right. So, like Ryan, what's uh, what's been going on for you? Uh, nothing much. Um, just uh, enjoying our weird schizophrenic weather here in Houston. Mm. Um, but that's, like, what has in, that been like? Well, I mean, it's in the 60s today, and like three days ago, it was 80 something, almost 90. So I don't know. Well, mm. Whatever. You know, I'm long sleeve shirt today. Tomorrow, I'll be wearing shorts again. You know, so. It's good times, but most amazingly, I'm actually uh, somewhat relevant to this podcast. I'm actually caught up on the Flash and Superman and Lois. Like, like now mm-hmm. that now that the Arrowverse is down to like one or half a show or whatever, a show yeah. and a half, I, I can do it. I can keep up with it. So, you know. <laughs> About to say, stop the presses. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> well, that'll certainly be helpful when it's all over, and I want to do a podcast about. It. We don't have to wait like three months for you to catch up. Yeah. Uh, you know. <laughs> although I was just reading an article today. Interestingly, it was an article that was doing analysis on the CW's number because the only show they've guaranteed for next year is All American because that's like it's high their highest rated show. But they were like yeah. doing like rankings on like what shows like you know they think from the CW will actually make it to next year. And Superman and Lois was number three. After all, well, I mean, All American already had number one. Then All American Homecoming was number two, and then huh. Superman and Lois was number three. So they're saying there's a very high likelihood that they will renew Superman and Lois. So I'm I, I'm yeah. hopeful because of all the DC, you know, of all the DC TV shows, you know, of the last year to now, I think mm-hmm. that's been the best. So it's, you know. It's... It's been phenomenal. The writing on that, especially this season, well, every season, yeah. but this season, they they're just taking it to new levels. But um, I'm just curious because I gave up on it after two or three episodes. But did you see the Winchesters on that list? Uh, the uh, Winchesters isn't a very unlikely to <laughs> be renewed. That's about I figured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was on the lower end of it. Like, yeah, I forget so, what else they said was, oh, oh, Walker was uh, fairly likely uh, to be renewed yeah. also, they felt. Um, and they said Kung Fu was right in the middle, like Razor's Edge, maybe, maybe not. And then, like, everything else was like, we don't think it's, conti-. you know, Gotham Knights and all the other, you know, stuff, you know. I mean, that that's a shoo-in, obviously. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying Gotham Knights is DOA from, like, way before it even aired, so, yeah. But um, yeah. but yeah, so yeah. we'll see. I mean, they're like, yeah, like, but still, like, only like three or four shows from like their current seat, uh, you know, lineup, like making it to the next yeah. season. That's a huge like amount that's being cut. You know, I mean, uh, it, yeah, I, it's crazy that like if if you, if you go back like probably not even five years ago, uh, probably ninety percent of what I watched was on the CW, right. and now it's maybe like one show two shows if you count yeah flash yeah yeah and flash is and that's what they said they said a lot of shows are guaranteed being canceled so they don't even make the list of you know what's gonna be renewed and whatnot and so like yeah it's it was i think it was 11 shows had potential and of those 11 they felt that only four are actually gonna get it so yep but anyway, I think just now that we've digressed, usually. <laughs> yeah. I think the streaming services and the shows they offer are just contracting. We're, we, I think we've reached the saturation point. Of there, everyone's canceling, everyone's pulling back on their streaming stuff instead of just rapid expansion. Yeah. And and it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time the next couple of years. See how this pans out. Yeah, although with DC specifically, there's the fact that. Yeah. 
CW's had a huge turnover, which a lot of their TV content went into. WB has had turnover at their top, and they're doing a yeah. whole thing with DC where they've separated out to a separate studio, and James Gunn is going to be in control. And so, like, everything's kind of like being allowed to die that was legacy with only things that they mm -hmm. feel, you know, were either too far down the pipeline to get to stop or are successful. So, um, you know, Gunn has already signaled that he's not going to interfere with Superman and Lois. So if CW decides to renew it, that's, you know, that's their decision um, because it's it is fairly popular. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, so we'll see. But I'm hopeful because that is if any of the DC shows deserve to survive, it's that one. So I'm hoping yeah. that it does. So uh, but anyway, that's not why we're here. <laughs> today although we are talking about dc but it does segue into our five minute controversy uh which for those of you who are just joining the show that is something we do just to sort of loosen up before we uh dive into our main topic and this week i want to talk about something it did break a few weeks back but i haven't been recording a whole lot this month uh for various reasons and so uh this was mark guggenheim who if people know he's sort of the you know, even though Greg Berlanti is the guy who uh, owns the production company that has done all these Arrowverse shows, Mark Guggenheim was sort of like the creative force uh, behind First Arrow and then many of the other shows that Berlanti has produced for DC Warner. And so uh, Mark Guggenheim is basically, you know, kind of vented a little bit saying like, look, like, I'm not expecting that they're just going to offer me a job off the cuff or whatever, but, you know, since... You know, no matter what you feel about these shows that have been on the you know, part of the Arrowverse, it was a hugely successful franchise that spawned, you know, six, seven, eight shows, you know, and that, you know, did a lot for DC that I would expect that when Gunn took over and all the DC stuff was put under his purview that I'd at least get a phone call. And I didn't even get that. Um, so just out of curiosity for everybody, do you feel like, do you feel like, this was something that was like a slight do you feel like Guggenheim um, was was owed anything you know by a uh, gun that he should have been acknowledged in some way and does that like in any way like affect like how you're feeling about like what gun is developing um you know moving forward um so uh Nate I don't know how much of involvement you've had with watching stuff on the CW I know James and Ryan have so let's just start with you and just uh you know what your thoughts are uh, on this I uh, I was with the Flash for probably like four or five seasons. I was with uh, Arrow two seasons. Mm. Uh, I liked the first season of Supergirl. Like I, I tried it out. I wanted mm -hmm. to like it, um, but in the end, I, it just uh, it couldn't hold my interest. With it, it couldn't compete with everything else that I needed to. That everything that was demanding my attention. Sure. Uh, all that Arrowverse stuff just sort of ranked lower. Uh, my first thought when I, I actually went and read the blog post he made, and something that struck me was like, one, why are you writing this? What's the purpose? Yeah. You know, um, are, are you trying to get like some sort of like Snyder cut petition going and try to, you know, wedge your way into the new direction DC's going? And maybe there's a good reason that we don't know. We don't know all the interactions. Maybe he's tough to work with. Maybe he's, uh, you know, like, likes to, you know, doesn't like people disagreeing with him. Or, you know, maybe he doesn't bathe. I don't know. I don't know this guy. But, you know, he, 
he, there's a reason why they didn't call him with all the years of that he put in for DC stuff. You think he would have something to say and something that they would want to hear. So if they didn't call him, eh, there might be a good reason why. I kind of thought. Okay. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think we first have to acknowledge that obviously uh, Gunn and Saffron, there was, there was no... They, they were not obligated to call him. They're not obligated to involve him. They can. This is their new vision. They can move forward with it want, however they want. Um, I, I guess you could make the argument that not just giving him a heads up saying, hey, this is, you know, we you've been doing great stuff, This, but this is what we're doing going forward. At best case scenario, it's bad form. You know, best case scenario, it's, it's an oversight and they goofed and it was rude and, and politic. And uh, But worst case, is, which, which honestly, that would track with like DC and Warner Brothers history you know for quite a while now and worst case is there's a deliberate you know slight mm -hmm. um and odds are we'll never know but you know um uh, to nate's point um the fact that like he went public with this kind of just immediately i i won't say like gives me like it leaves leaves me with a bad taste but it is it just does come across as a little like juvenile i get maybe that's his way of coping mm -hmm. that's because he does go on to say like he's not getting offers he's he gave like the past however many years of his life i think any any potential studio is going to look at this and go i you know we're not going to hire this guy if he's going to act like this but he's still the ep on carnival row and i don't think carnival Row. well that's it has been it's been canceled it has been mm -hmm. yeah the second season was our last talk about cancels yeah, no, I mean, there's a big shakeup for anyone involved with Berlanti Group because, like, even though Berlanti has signed, like, a new deal with Warner to produce new television, like, all their, almost, I think, everything existing that they've been working on is all, like, winding up now. Like, if Superman Lois continues, that's, like, one of one of very few legacy projects. Yeah, they do things other than the DC shows, um, but, like, they, they've lost a lot of their television in a very short span of time. Um, so, James, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's it, it really is that kind of point of, uh, you know, that Ryan made where it's like he, he's not getting offers for shows. And I mean, that and that says something like I understand, like putting a lot of your time and your work. But he even said himself, like this was a passion project like you. You made a choice in in the direction that you decided to take your career on this. Um, and just like anything else, I mean, it's a, I, I, I put this on the comparison scale to when like gamers specifically are just like, um, well, you know, the game isn't what I wanted it to be. You know, this this game, like it lacks this and this and this. And, th and that's that's what I want. And it's like, again, yes, you can speak with your dollars, but you're not entitled to anything from mm. anybody else um unless there was a specific contract made or an agreement or anything like that but there really is no requirement by you know james gunn or anybody peter or even higher ups at warner brothers you know to give him that call um and and not <laughs> not to run rub like salt in the wound but it's like understandably you worked on these shows and they weren't always amazing we've had many podcasts talking about just that where like there are seasons of the flash that are just 
lacking like it's yeah. it, and it's not it's mm -hmm. not that it didn't still maintain entertaining television but it wasn't anything that was like groundbreaking it was it, it got to a point where it definitely felt very formulaic and even like kevin smith when he talked about his opportunities where he he's directed a few episodes he even said like that's how it was like as a director on a tv show he didn't really direct anything he was just kind of told this is the story this is where things are this is how we want you to like shoot the scenes and everything like that so he was just kind of there to make sure things were going the way they're supposed to effectively so it's like everything relies on that writing and and again we're seeing none of these shows are lasting um most of them are you know defunct now or they're going to be um and there's no plans to renew most of them um so yeah it's you're not entitled to anything my friend uh kind of sucks to be you and stop whining publicly about it it doesn't get you anywhere yeah. Zack Snyder has a cult, so that's the difference. <laughs> all right. Well, I will have to say, all right. So the word entitled is probably wrong because, yes, everybody's right. He's not entitled to anything. I do think there is sort of like uh, just a like, well, I, don't, I can't think of the term right now, but just like it would just be nice. It would be congenial. It would be like sort of like, you know, like a good thing to just like, yes, like you should reach out and contact with yeah. people because we know that Gunn has done that for some people. Like he reached out to Henry Cavill and he reached out to Ben Affleck and he said, look, guys, I'm sorry, you know, you're out, you know, and you would think for somebody who's overseeing like a huge, you know, slew of TV projects, you know, would kind of. You know, yeah, it's not the same as an actor, but again, it's sort of like, well, he is somebody who, you know, has been in charge of a lot of the DC stuff. And so just sort of reach out and talk to it. So it does see, I understand why Mark Guggenheim feels slighted because I do. Now, why did he go on a blog post? Because that seems like the best way to like tank his career in Hollywood and like make sure that people don't want to get involved with him. I don't know, because that's the thing that I'm looking at. Like, what in the world, dude? Like... You know, like you're not getting calls now. Well, I don't think you're going to get any. It's only been a couple months. I mean, come on. He definitely um, didn't talk to his PR rep. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, yeah, I, I, I was kind of like. Or his looking... wife. I mean, just anyone. <laughs> just, just do a sanity his best check friends, somewhere. mom. I don't know who you get advice from. But I think anyone who would, who likes him and has his best interest at heart would tell him you shouldn't post this and right. he said in his blog post he's like i actually uh almost you know i, I wrote some almost wrote something worse and quoted <laughs> and then went on to like several paragraphs directly just say this is what i wrote in my other post <laughs> like, this is better this is the better version this is the better this is more restraint right but basically here's... you could tell his feelings yeah. were hurt yeah. and you know <laughs> I'm sorry his feelings are hurt, but there's a there's a reason why you didn't get a call. Yeah, yeah I don't know well, what it is. But... Right. Well, I mean, it does like so. There was a comment that Gunn made when he made his announcement about how he felt that in the past, like Warner had like like given out like DC licenses to anyone that like you know gave him a wink and a smile or something like that. It was something like you know they're just handing out DC licenses to anybody, and a lot of people like took that to mean he was slighting like the people who made Batgirl which I don't think that's who he was talking about. I think he was talking about uh, the the CW stuff, and or at least that was one of the groups that he was talking about. I think he was, yeah. you know, basically talking trash about, you know, the CW and some of the other projects that he hasn't, I mean, like, cared CW, for. If the CW shows were yeah. rock solid, consistent, and were drawing in new 
viewers and new f- creating new fans i think they were very popular with people who really like dc yeah I, I and think people who grew up on the comics and they just they're like this is the goofy comic stuff that we love and we love well and yeah and there was a big thing like yeah. when, when the snyder stuff was a lot of people really down on the snyder stuff around 2016 2017 there were a lot of comments that i saw around that time where people were like the tv shows are just killing it why don't they let like berlanti yes. control the movies too because like you know they understand mm-hmm. the you know berlanti and his people understand comics whereas Zack snyder doesn't yeah, yeah. Uh, that that comment from james is james gun is a little uh revisionist history i i would think um I, I know he mentioned that he felt like um he, he used uh crisis uh, as kind of his bellwether i we i i you know shepherded this i made this happen and i i do feel like uh that was amazing at the time but i also feel like it probably it doesn't age um w- w- the sad part is like few years from now 10 years from now we're gonna look back on the Arrowverse, and we're gonna remember the back half of it we're not gonna remember the first half which was good where they did have to fight for every license and every mission where where you know um they couldn't use uh, this character so they had to use the b version uh yeah and and made it work so successfully so in that sense guggenheim he i mean he deserves credit he did a lot of great things but i just feel like Again, like the Arrowverse in general, the back half of it is just like he's he's burned out. He needs a break. He needs to take a vacation a little while or something, then come back at it. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to writing some comics. Yeah. Although I do. I do have to say, because this is the one thing I have to bring up whenever anybody's down on crisis and everything is that right after crisis we hit covid so a lot of people are like oh like crisis didn't pay off very well they never did much with the fact that the universes were interconnected like they, they were all merged and all that and I'm like yeah because covid hit right afterwards and they weren't allowed to cross over characters anymore so it did really screw over crisis and them doing anything with the aftermath of it when suddenly it's like the whole point was to make it easier for characters to interact and then it was like oh yeah. but then we can't interact anymore because of the plague that's going on so you know <laughs> That's uh yeah. I mean, so I, I will I do give them a slide on the you know, whole like after crisis things seem to fall apart mm-hmm. sort of thing because they also had to deal with the pandemic. But anyway, yeah, all right. So yeah, I don't think this deserves any more time than we've given it here. Um, uh, but I did want to talk about it, uh, because I did think it was something that was worthy of of at least uh talking about, especially since we're talking about a DC thing here. So um but uh but yeah we're going to talk about shazam uh in a few minutes but before that let's pause for a promo from another fine podcast what you gonna do brothers and sisters when thousands of geeky fans descend on atlanta for five days and nights of the grandest con of them all you can prepare by training eating your vitamins saying your prayers, and checking out the dragon con report each and every month leading up to the show. Watch or listen and let Dragon Con Mania run wild on you! at the top of the show we are talking about shazam fury of the gods now ironically this was a movie that when i heard the premise for it i was like why isn't this a wonder woman movie 
which because and it's funny also because none of you were on the Wonder Woman podcast when we talked about that movie. But one of the things we talked about after the first Wonder Woman was the thing that could distinguish Wonder Woman and could make great Wonder Woman movies is to go really heavy into the mythology aspect of having her like face like things from mythology. And then, of course, 1984 was like, eh, well, we won't do anything with that. We'll just make up some MacGuffin and say it's mythological thing. But, you know, it has nothing to do with anything. Um and so I was kind of happy to hear that Shazam uh, Fury of the Gods was going to deal with the mythological aspect. But that's just this is a little thing I wanted to throw out there. Um, but neither none of you guys were also on our first Shazam podcast either. So uh, just really curious, before we start talking about Fury of the Gods, what did you think of the first Shazam movie? Uh, so we'll start with you, Ryan. Uh, you know... <laughs> It's kind of funny. Uh, a few days ago, uh, my, uh, Facebook popped up so many years ago, four, five mm. years ago, four years ago. Uh, this is what you said about Shazam. And uh, I can't remember what I said about it, but it was basically about how it was a fun movie, but I'm not going to remember it in a few years, which turned out to be true. It's the first Shazam, I enjoyed it. It was great, uh, but it was definitely just a, a summer popcorn brain candy type of movie. It was at the time, it was like, peak dceu it was as good as we could get um for the dceu i remember saying that much uh i enjoyed it um i only saw it the one time in the theater and that was probably enough okay uh, james uh yeah uh i i mean i enjoyed it for exactly what it was i didn't think uh it, it i don't know for me it was just refreshing um I think during that time, that was just after like the whole like Snyderverse stuff, and I was just so burned out on listening to everybody talk about that. Um, yeah, after so Justice just... League, there was Aquaman and then Shazam. Yeah, <laughs> and so it was it was just a breath of fresh air. I mean, so so was like Aquaman to me. It was just I like something that's got some humor to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think I and I thought the way that like they integrated, uh, you know, Billy Batson and. Um, and then the counterpart, like between those two actors, like being able to just emulate that same character was really, really wonderful. Um, I didn't think the villain was particularly anything amazing about it. But again, like I didn't I didn't think it was as bad as uh, certain other movies within the Shazam universe, for sure. <laughs> you mean the DC universe? No, just the Shazam oh. part. Of oh, the OK. Universe. Oh, OK. OK. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> I, you know, I really liked it. Uh, I think I streamed it at home. I don't think I went to the theater. Mm. I think wasn't it one of one of those co-releases? No, no, the first one was in April of 2019. Oh, okay. Um, well, then I, I, I don't think I watched the theaters. I watched it at home, um, and uh, and I remember I really liked it. And it was a lot of fun, and it was colorful, and um i was i was hopeful because after uh, you know aquaman and then shazam i was like oh hey we're gonna do fun dc and we're not gonna be grim dark depressing dc and i think you know a fun colorful dc is a better dc in my opinion um and uh and i really liked just i really liked i liked the casting mm -hmm. i thought you know zachary levi could hit those comedic and serious notes and to handle the physical element and the uh, the kid to get to play billy batson was great and then you know uh the bad guys you know was just like okay you know seven deadly sins gotcha yeah you know 
Yeah, for me, one of the standouts was Dr. Savannah as the villain, uh, Mark Strong playing that mm-hmm. role. I thought that he did a phenomenal job uh, yeah. with that. Um, and we'll talk we'll talk a, bit, a little bit more about that. But yeah, like you guys were talking about, for me, it was just the breath of fresh air aspect with Aquaman hitting in December and then four months later having Shazam. It was like, oh, my God, like DC has like completely rethought its strategy and things are going to be great from here. Yeah. Oh, how naive I was. <laughs> but <laughs> but I did enjoy the the first Shazam movie a lot. Um so yeah, now we're now we're at Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. Obviously it was delayed a little bit because of COVID, you know, um you know, four years between movies, which when you have a when you have a large number of children in your cast, that that's the thing that I think hurts the worst is because mm-hmm. suddenly like cutesy little Darla is like, you know, like twice as tall as she was in the first movie. And you like have to pretend she's still this cutesy little kid and everything because they said that only two years had passed as far as like within the universe of the movie. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's a little bit of a mismatch there. Not that I thought that was a huge issue, but I'm just like throwing that out there. Yeah, it was a distracting. Like, right from the story but yeah it was like oh she's <laughs> and i realized sick. that the reason was more because like the actress who played the superpowered mary like was in a controversy that they got rid of her and just let mary play her superpowered version too like the same actress but like at the same time it's almost like oh no she's aged up now to the point where she can just like <laughs> this is, she my... is the adult i am already an adult herself. so yeah, yeah like i don't i don't age up when i power up you know um but anyway, uh, so yeah, like just uh, just high level thoughts. What did you think of Fury of the Gods? Feel free to compare it to Black Adam if you want it to, if you <laughs> want to. And <laughs> so let's start with you on this one, Nate. You know what? For compared to Black Adam, this is a way better movie, and uh, I, I think it would have been awesome if Dwayne the Rock Johnson was in it and lost. Mm. I know it's against his contract to lose a fight, <laughs> but um, but I think. They could have worked something out with them. Uh, I thought it was, I, you know, it just overall, I thought it was, a, it performed for me as well as Shazam did. It did, mm. it fulfilled all my expectations and then it did all the nice things that sequels do, which is, you know, uh, have more interesting protagonists and more interesting antagonists. And, um, but still the core, uh, you know, problems of Shazam of, you know, child and an adult body trying to, you know, you know, feeling sad that he's growing up so fast and then him struggling to deal with adult stuff like res- adult responsibilities and things is still there. Uh, I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was good overall. I really liked it. All right. Ryan. Uh, yeah, uh, I feel like um, <laughs> we really didn't have enough uh, DC EU movies to to make this statement outright but i feel like this was the the shazam movies maybe not counting uh black adam were the most consistent in quality and expectations Mm -hmm. i went in with about the same expectations as i had for the first one and and came out you know feeling satisfied um i felt like uh everyone in this project had fun with it everyone put their heart and soul into it um and everyone but everyone also knew that this was not groundbreaking this was not going to change uh the genre or, or anything like that this was just a, a good uh a comic book uh superhero movie um and any any film where you can get like freaking 
you know, Helen Mirren and Lucy Liu as the villains is going to be awesome to begin with, you know? I still uh, can't so, believe that. I was like, oh, man, that yeah, is yeah. like, it was when Marvel amazing. gets like, 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 you know, star casting, you're like, oh, well, because Marvel's just killing it and everybody loves Marvel. But DC hasn't had good buzz and yet they got names like yeah. that. I was like, wow, like, that's okay. pretty amazing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you know. You know, I have some nitpicks with it. It was not perfect by any means, but uh, I consistently laughed and smiled the entire time I was in it. All right. And James. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I share a lot of the same sentiment. Uh, I, I I think it took off just the right way. It is a proper sequel, um, even, even with a space of time moving forward. Uh, I mean, it just... Even I could see even in like that two years time. Yeah. Like these kids are trying to figure out this whole superhero game and it would be as challenging as it's represented because they are a bunch of children. Like they don't they don't know how to plan any kind of like strategy for combat or anything like that. Um, you know, they're all still trying to figure out these powers and 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 the best way to utilize them. But their hearts are in the right place. Like they want to help people. Um so yeah, I thought just carrying on that dialogue and like you said, uh, you know, just that struggle of growing up, like becoming an adult, and even more so on top of that, the fact that you know he's adopted and he has felt very like uh, distant anywhere he's been over the course of his foster life, and so like his very real, like this is going to end, and and they're just going to throw me out. I'm not going to have any, you know, I I won't have anywhere to go. No nobody to love me, nobody to care about me, and so he's trying so hard to keep that together because it's so important to him. Having this family is so important to him. He just can't say it directly because that's not what teenagers do. God forbid they actually share their feelings directly. <laughs> but right. yeah, I thought it was I thought it was great in a lot of ways. The story was just consistent all the way through. I didn't feel like two movies got smashed together like I did through Black Adam. Like there there's good stories in both areas of that movie. Uh, but when you smash them together like that, you end up with that kind of like confusion and fluster. Uh, and it didn't feel like they tried to go like way overboard with like CGI for this. I thought all the all the you know SFX effects were great. Uh, I thought for what they in they used them in practical ways. Um, so yeah, I I overall was very satisfied with the casting uh, for for the villains and um, mm -hmm. yeah, it was great. I'm really glad to hear this because I've been hearing so much negative buzz about this movie that I was expecting at least one of you guys is going to be like, this is awful trash. And No, you guys feel like the same way I did. I, I came out of that movie smiling. My wife was smiling. We were both like, wow, this is a fun movie, you know, similar to the first one, you know, really enjoyed it. And yeah, like Ryan said, I have a few nitpicks about like things that happened or whatever. But the thing is, like, this is supposed to be just like a fun you know, like movie that you're not seeing. This is a fun popcorn movie, you know? And, and so I'm not going to get too bent out of shape about, you know, some uh, nitpicky like little things, but overall it was really enjoyable. Um, and I do question like people who can't like find enjoyment in this movie is like, you know, like these are the Snyder fans, but yet it's too many people to be just the Snyder fans. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But one of the things though, I did want to sort of, um, tee up on what um what uh james was saying like uh i think david sandberg the director deserves a lot of credit um that i don't hear him getting praise for because of the fact that like he came from a horror background 
And like he talked about how he was surprised that like DC gave him a call and was like, do you want to do this superhero movie with like kids and stuff? But like what I find is like, A, that makes him really good because horror movies tend to be lower budget for him Mm -hmm. to be able to pull off like something that looks good on a lower budget. Because that's the thing. That's why the first Shazam was a success. It didn't make a huge amount of money. But because it was lower budget than most of the DC movies, the amount that they did take in was a profit. So, like, you know, people will say, like, well, Black Adam technically took in more money than the first Shazam by, like, a few million. But the thing was, Black Adam was, like, a $200 million, like, movie to make. So Mm -hmm. when you factor in all the costs, you know, and advertising and everything else, which isn't included in that $200 million, then it's like, oh, actually, Black Adam, like, lost money. (laughs) Whereas the first Shazam did not. Um, Yeah. And uh, and and so he does that. But also, I think he's able to create tension because he does come from that horror background and create scenes where it's like some fairly horrific stuff happens in this movie. And yeah, he keeps the tone fairly light. But at the same time, like he's able to like create a sort of tension and a sort of like fear immediacy of danger and things like that that I feel like really worked. So that it wasn't just like a low stakes movie where you never felt like anything like really serious was going, you know. So I felt like he did a great job of juggling that of, okay, it's a kid. It's a movie that you want kids to be able to watch because the protagonists are kids, but not also making it so kiddie that adults are just like, oh, like this is, you know, this is hard to watch. It's too low stakes. It's too easy, you know, all that kind of stuff. So when when I went in to see it. Uh, our theater, you have to reserve your seats. Mm. And I went to reserve my seats. And I, I like to sit like in the middle row in the middle seat, like spot mm-hmm. on. But like the middle was all blocked out. I ended up having to sit in the very last row. That's because a group of about 20 tween girls and their moms came, all one group. I, it must have been some outing or something like that. But it was literally like 15, you know, 10 to 12 year old girls. And like their five parents, five mothers mm-hmm. came and sat down. And I just thought, you know, and of course there were times as I was wanted to be like, oh, shut up. But, you know, because uh, they talk, you know, but uh, but I, at the same time, I just thought like it's crazy that they were here to see Shazam and they enjoyed it. I mean, I yeah. heard them laugh. I heard them meant to the movie and the fact that they would bring like that group never would have come to see, you know, Batman versus Superman or probably <laughs> not even Aquaman right, right. Or, or the Batman. I mean, it's or the bad, right. such a big, huge tone difference. Right. Because I mean, yeah, I mean, talking about movies that I did enjoy, but totally are not suited, you know, necessarily for like young children or whatever. You know, the Batman is is a good example, you know, whereas the Snyder stuff is an example of doing grimdark to a point where I don't enjoy it. So it's a little bit of a different. <laughs> Unnecessarily. <yeah>. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So so I'm just curious. Do you guys have any like thoughts about why is Fury of the Gods doing so badly with us all talking about how enjoyable it is and how much, you know, we we liked it. And so it's like I was shocked. Like we went opening just just because our schedules worked out. It wasn't because this was a must-see opening night movie, but we went opening night, Beth and I. And mm-hmm. The movie theater had almost nobody in it. And I'm like, and this was the 7.30 showing on a Friday night. So it should be like, you know, this is when like a prime time Friday evening viewing and the theater was maybe a quarter full. Um, And so that already told me, I was like, oh no, like this movie is in trouble if there's (laughs) this few people at this time. And then I looked at the numbers and I was like, oh yeah, this movie is in trouble. It definitely doesn't deserve it. Yeah, It definitely doesn't deserve it. It it deserves higher numbers i think if more people gave it a shot they'd see it maybe it's burnout maybe it's saturation maybe 
I mean, I know I panned Black Adam really hard, but and I hate to blame everything on just one other movie, but you know, maybe people are just like, oh, yeah. it's another Shazam thing, and I was really excited about that, and it wasn't very good, and it did, you know, you know, gross more money, you know, like we talked about, it did it, more people did go and see it than they're going to see Shazam too. Yeah, I, I definitely think I think there are three factors. Um, but I, I definitely agree with Nate uh, following Black Adam. Like, if you didn't know Shazam, but you knew like it was the same universe as Black Adam, that's gonna definitely color your uh, expectations. But also, is it is a sequel, and sequels almost inevitably drop off um, a little bit. And the third one, I think, honestly, is just uh, too many people, too many of the hardcore DC fans are wondering why should I be invested in this? Why I'll wait till it comes out in video. The the DCEU is dead. So why am I going to go see this? It's just, I don't know if that you would call that necessarily burnout, but I, it's definitely just a sort of a, just a sort of, um, it's, it's like watching, it's watching, watching the, watching someone bleed out, you know, <laughs> at this point in time. Well, I mean, that was one of the things I was going to bring up was, yeah, this sort of lame duck DC period now. Yeah. Although the, the sad thing is, because James Gunn has said, like, you know, like he would be willing to like entertain, like incorporating the Shazam stuff in. But with numbers like this, I don't think he will. Like, I think that like it is dead because it, it's not doing well. I know he says about the fact of the matter is I don't really believe him. I think he's just saying that to try to not tank uh the numbers it, it could be it could be yeah um but i mean at the same time though if this movie made five six hundred million when it has this budget low as it d- did if it had done those numbers the warner execs would probably be like hey you know uh don't you think that, yeah right <laughs> do you think we could make a third shazam movie and you could sort of incorporate it in you know like <laughs> see but- i think warner's to blame i think they're part of the problem uh, because this movie did not get nearly as much advertising as it should have. Mm. Um, it didn't have the kind of advertising placement that you see out of a lot more of the big movies that DC's done. I mean, look at any of the Superman movies in the Snyderverse. Like, those have huge advertising behind them. Yeah. The Batman had a ton of advertising behind it. I mean, well, you, it, you mean Zach Levi talking to me during an episode of The Flash during commercials wasn't enough? yeah so i mean that's that's i think a big chunk of the issue i mean it could be all of these other things absolutely but um i i don't know i don't know all the all the people i know definitely aren't like burnt out on seeing any superhero film whether that's marvel or dc doesn't really matter um but advertising definitely makes a big difference and i just don't remember seeing much at all about shazam fury of the gods and so uh, i as uh we all agree yeah. i mean i definitely don't uh you know think it deserves its placement where it currently is um but i think warner i, I always think warner's part of the problem with anything <laughs> yeah because the numbers at least i mean i didn't look just before i got on here today but the numbers were like atrocious that i saw it was like and now this was last weekend i think it was only like at 160 million or something which is which is horrible you know, like yeah. that's that's nothing when you're seeing movies that are making 300, 400 K and we, we're on like the third week now or fourth week. So it's like, you know, that that means that anything else they're going to get is just like a small fraction of a percentage, you know, uh, anymore. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was really sad to see that because I, I would have liked them to have done a third movie, but I'm pretty sure with these numbers we have seen the end of the Shazam franchise. Um, 
you know, until I mean, Gun Gun might do his own version of Shazam at some point with the new DCEU, but we're done with this Shazam franchise. Um, yeah, I mean, currently it's done three hundred and sixty-seven point eight million. And is I think that that's, worldwide or domestic? I think that's I think that's worldwide because right. Black Adams was only three hundred and ninety-three, so it's still it's still even trailing behind Black Adam, which is a far worse movie, <laughs> like, right? I don't understand. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it's all said and done, maybe they'll be just a little ahead of Black Adam. But yeah, it's I it, maybe not. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a bad story uh, for for this uh, movie. Um, I think I think James is right about the advertising. I mean, um, the advertising budget for Black Adam was eighty million, yeah. uh, give or take. And I can't read what uh, I mean. I can't find anything on what uh, Shazam. Fury of the Gods is, but the, like the total cost of making the movie was like what 110. So you know, right. I, yeah. So, uh, but M- um, much cheaper than Black Adam. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But on top of that, uh, um, so my wife works from home, and she leaves CNN on all day mm-hmm. long, and CNN's owned by Warner Brothers, blah blah. And when Black Adam was out, every other commercial was for Black Adam. You know, corporate synergy. Uh, Black Adam this, Black Adam that, and and the, and thinking about it, I have not seen a TV spot for Shazam. I, I saw theatrical uh, trailers, you know, online and, and before movies, and but I've not seen uh, a single spot on on TV. I know YouTube at least showed a few during, like you know, when you watch a YouTube video and they throw an ad up or whatever. I know that YouTube did have some Shazam trailers but uh but yeah that's yeah you're right like and then of course there was the thing in the flash like the cw always does that during the dc shows if they have the dc show that's on while one of the movies is playing they'll have like you know one or two of the actors from the movie like do like a brief like 30 second little thing and then they'll play a clip you know and so yeah during the flash there was a thing and that's all i really remember yeah so yeah it was a marketing thing is always a chicken and the egg kind of thing. It's like if they don't do enough marketing and then no one goes and see it, they go, see, we saved money by not marketing right. this movie because it didn't perform well. Well, it's not even necessarily, I think, like the amount of marketing. It's also the quality of the marketing too. So it's just like you could, mm-hmm. they could, they could be like, we gave Shazam to a hundred million uh, for advertising. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. How was that hundred million used for advertising? Um, because yeah, if it wasn't TV spots and it was like, oh, we just put up a bunch of billboards down in Hollywood, like that, that, that doesn't do anything for you. So yeah, it's, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about like the movie itself. So like, how did you feel about, you know, Shazam in this movie and how he was utilized and the performances? Um, by both Zachary Levi and Asher. It's Asher Angel, right? Is that I think that's his name for the younger yeah. actor. I, I will say the one thing I was a little disappointed about, like the first movie was very much clearly Billy's story, and you kind of had equal time between Billy and the Shazam form. In this movie, it felt like Billy almost didn't exist. Like we had him in Shazam form almost through the whole movie. And I don't know if that was them just trying to hide the fact that Asher Angel is obviously an adult now. And it's just kind of <laughs> like, you know, like, uh, we might as well just kind of do this. He had the swoopy bangs. That means you're a young person. <laughs> right. he, he had the young person haircut. Yeah. And he was just as tall as the other kid, you know. And he said, you know, he said he was 
He was almost 18, you know. Oh, I, I do want to say one thing, uh, other thing, though, uh, teeing up on something James said earlier that I forgot to mention. Uh, I actually really like the fact the adoption story part of this series, and that kind of felt, you know, went into this movie as well. And one of the things that, like, the people that were on the panel with me last time talked about was, like, they didn't understand why, like, Billy and his mom didn't have a reconciliation in the first movie. And it's just like... You know, like, obviously she was in a bad relationship because you heard the guy, like, yelling at her from inside. And they were like, why didn't Billy go in mm-hmm. and take care of that guy? And then he and his mom could, like, reconnect. And I was like, do you guys not understand, like, what this movie is trying to say? It's like, she she abandoned him deliberately. Like, this wasn't a thing of, you know, like, a, of a reuniting. This is a woman that, that cut off deliberately her emotional connection with this child. And it was about the fact that these are people that actually wanted him. These are people that were willing to take him into their home and love him and treat him as their biological, you know, like no different than if he had been a biological child. I'm like the, the you know, like this is like this is trying to show that like this is this is like what adoption is like, you know, like there shouldn't be a stigma around. Well, that's not your real kid because I have a friend who is adopted actually. And I hear a lot from him about this. So, you know, like, you know, those sorts of things that are really hurtful to people, both the children and the parents, you know, of adopted children. It's like this is a pro adoption story. And I like the fact that they put a very positive spin on it. These are like the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Um, so I like that portion of this story. And I thought that Zach Levi is still doing a great job of just like acting like this is a kid who has these powers and he has this family now who also has powers and he wants to like, just like keep this all, you know, together. Um, the only bit that I was disappointed, oh, at first I was excited because they were actually bringing up the wisdom of Solomon part, which was the one thing that after the first movie, I was like. I get all the other powers, but where's the wisdom of Solomon? Because I don't feel like what that is was really the displayed. what is the wisdom of Solomon? Right, power? and they were like, like they they started addressing like, oh, where they asked the question, and I was like, oh, good, we're actually gonna like explain like how this works, and it was just like because in your heart you make good decisions, and I'm like, really, <laughs> really, that's our explanation, like for the wisdom of Solomon. <laughs> But overall, I was happy with it. I was happy with how Billy was displayed. And I, I think the whole thing about him having a thing for Wonder Woman was funny because I was like, oh, yeah, he's like a 16, 17. Oh, no, he's about to be 18. But still, 18-year-old kid? Like, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. I totally get it. If I lived in a universe with Wonder Woman, yeah, exactly, you know. So um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, how do you how the rest of you feel about, you know, uh, how uh, Billy slash Zam was in this? Uh, so uh, let's start with you, James. Yeah, I mean, I thought Billy was pretty, pretty good. Uh, I I agree with you. I think, you know, the kid just had a lot less screen time. It was a lot more focused towards uh, uh, Zachary Levi. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy seeing Zachary Levi on screen. I have since uh, his TV days. Um, so it's it's definitely a. I mean, I did like that they fleshed out more story with some of the other siblings. But they definitely didn't put a lot of focus on specific ones. Uh, so it was like, once again, the youngest siblings, not really a lot of focus on uh, other than, oh, hey, the nerdy Asian kid, he's researching all of the doors to find what they are. I was really hoping that was going to come up somewhere that they were going to like, you know, like use that for something. But it didn't really like, you know, like have it a didn't bear fruit. This. And that's what I expected. I was expecting like a, a an after credit scene or something like that. Mm-hmm. But. It just didn't go anywhere, um, which is fine. Uh, you know, having, you know, the the youngest little girl 
you know, and just still kind of just doing what she does. Like she loves adorable things and she's just adorable, even in her hero form. And it, and it's always just comedic uh, essence that's there for it. Um, but I did like the fact that uh, I, I can't remember any of the character names, um, but the 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 young man uh, who's Hispanic. Freddy? Oh, no, no, Freddie. Uh, the other one. Pedro. <laughs> Pedro, Pedro. Um, the fact that you know like Pedro is like really into baseball and like we as the audience are a hundred percent in the know <laughs> right from the beginning like we like the way mm-hmm. they framed it all makes sense we're like oh he's gay okay uh and and I loved how they developed that uh later in the movie where <laughs> he's just like, where they're all standing there and he's like all right I have something to tell. We 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 got something we got to tell you. And then like they say that they're you know these heroes, and then he's like, "I'm gay," and they're just like, "Oh, buddy, we all knew." That's a, <laughs> totally cool. And I like I was like, "Oh, that's lovely. That's such a heartwarming moment. That's so good." Um, and it really just showed like it, this family really is in a lot of ways. Like they are they are <laughs> they are more wholesome than almost any other family I think I've ever met in my life. Um, so much so that I'm like, I wish they were my parents. That'd be awesome. <laughs> um, but like, even just the funny, I mean, they didn't, they didn't spend a lot of time on the parents either. Like they were, they mm-hmm. were there in the beginning, not there for a big chunk of the film. And then they kind of come back. Um, but I thought they designed the story well around them. It did feel like there were, there were some spaces there where they just weren't necessarily sure of like how much time to spend on certain characters. And that's always going to be the problem when you have, what five six heroes and they all have unique storylines to be told but you only have so much movie time to mm-hmm. tell any stories mm-hmm. um so yeah I, I i i feel i feel like billy i think his development was good again like i said earlier i think his fear of losing the family and and the tie-in to the fact that like he still can't call her mom um you know it was like a really big development and that that arc to get to where he does finally call her mom super super great and the moment is beautiful and really well done so um yeah i I, again kind of like what ryan said was it a perfect film absolutely not but i think what they did with billy was pretty good yeah um you said that you didn't feel like it focused on anyone you didn't feel like it focused on freddy out of all the kids oh yeah sorry it definitely did focus on Freddie, but that was like where a lot of the story I think was, was the big focus mm-hmm. was kind of Freddie yeah. and Billy and like Billy being very clingy and Freddie being very like, dude, I want to just go do my own hero thing every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And that was so very sibling. Like, uh, right. I mean, it was always one of those, like, I-, I have a younger sister and yeah, for a long time, even in our teenage years, it was like my sister always wanted to be palling around if I was doing something. I was like, oh, my God, could I just like go hang out with my friends on my own, like without you bothering me? Um, so it was very, very relatable, I think, uh, with Freddie. And I felt so bad <laughs> in the beginning when it's like you discover this girl he's really into and he is he is hitting home runs. And like she's one of the bad guys, and I was like, "Oh no, why?" But like the good, like that redemption arc between them was really, really well done. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that later. Um, but um, yeah, I, uh, I I think it has more to do though with Freddie just being like the one who's been obsessed with superheroes from like before they got powers, and I think that he felt like 
you know, he just wanted to have his chance to shine. And also, I think as the kid who has like a disability, also, I think it kind of makes sense that he mm-hmm. like wants to have his own like, you know, his own time. Like he can be, you know, he can be like not only like without his disability, but with like power and be superhuman and whatnot. And he just wants to like, you know, have his have his own time. But you're right. It's kind of a sibling thing also. Um, but yeah, Ryan, what do you think about the um, Zam and Billy in this? Uh, so I, I kind of agree with, with an ensemble cast this large and the fact that, you know, half the ensemble cast, there are two different versions of them. Uh, everyone's yeah. getting shortchanged. Yeah, I kind of half felt while I was watching this because more so than the first movie, I felt like that. And so I was like, it's too bad they can't do an HBO Max series with this family because I feel like that would be a better, like, utilization of The Marvels. Literally what I was going to (laughs) do. Cease and desist letter arrives. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's the name of this episode, not The Marvels. Um, But yeah, but... Yeah, that, that I literally had that in my notes here. That this would have been a great streaming show. This it really would it would have been perfect there, um, and that maybe that's how they should have gone. But um, I, where Billy and Freddie are concerned specifically, I feel like um, I have kind of like a kind of a dichotomy in my head. Where on the one hand, I, I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed uh, Zachary Levy playing um, Shazam, playing the the super billy but at the same time it felt like he's still playing it the same way billy was in the first movie it's been two or three years and freddy's aged up a little bit he's gotten a little bit more mature and billy hasn't he he is when he's billy he is when he's a kid he's an 18 year old kid now and that comes across when he's in his kid form but when he goes to being his uh adult form he still he seems even sillier um you know making comments and stuff that no 18 year old is going to make you know uh Maybe he maybe he would if he was in that body. Who knows? But it just it didn't it didn't ring quite one hundred percent true for me. Whereas with Freddie, it did because like you know maybe it's because he did have a disability. But Freddie gets into this other form and suddenly he's like, hey, how you doing? You know, I mean he's he's like trying to date, you know, trying to save girls or whatever. And that's like that's exactly what I would think a seventeen year old or eighteen year old would do if they were suddenly had superpowers and you know um, a, a physically perfect body, right? Right, yeah, no, that has nothing to do with the disability. I mean, like, I think any any of us is like teens. Like, suddenly you have like you know cut bod and everything, and just be like, right, yeah, exactly. It's just like, hey, how many chicks can I get with this? You know, know, exactly. And and you know, the sad part is, and and this is maybe the bias of uh, just growing up in the in the geek nerd community or whatever. But the moment that Freddie's in school and, you know, he's quote unquote the loser and gets beat up by bullies. But then there's this cute girl who's seemingly interested in him. Like, okay, she's the villain. Yeah, I mean, no, I, yeah, no, I was the same way. Like, I know James thought that I was like, oh, so nice. And then he felt bad. And I was like, no, I was suspicious from the very beginning. Yeah. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. And, and, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't clock her as the bad guy <laughs> until she was like, where is he? He needs to not be around here because it's going to get dangerous. And I'm like, it's going to get... Oh, okay. I got it at that point when they're on the roof and the sisters well, are coming. She, she, she started questioning she him the... about Superman and like the time like he met uh-huh. Superman and everything. And I was just like, oh, like I just I, thought I, she was just like into Superman. Yeah, no, yeah, it's like yeah, like she's in a one hero. But no, but my dad, I watched it with my dad. My dad's like, oh yeah, I clocked that right the second she said hello. He's like, oh yeah, there's the younger one. <laughs> there's there's three. There's the maiden, the mother, the crone, and 
he clocked the trilogy like this second he saw her on screen he's like oh yep she's the third one I mean, I realize that, like, The Rock made it, like, contractually obligated that, like, there could be, like, nothing between his production and the Shazam production. But I feel like the same person cast, um, oh, crap, I forget her name. Um, crap, uh, Anthea, was that what it was? The, yeah, Anathea. The, Anathea, yeah. Anathea, as who cast Cyclone in uh, <laughs> Black Adam, because I felt like... Wow, these women are very similar. <laughs> They're both like very, very cute, like women of color, you know, in this thing. And I, I had to check that it wasn't the same actress because I was like, wait, was she the same actress who played Cyclone? Like, but, but, but yeah. You know, I did the same thing. Well, I looked her up because it's like I've seen her in something else. And on top of that, she got like, I think, like fourth billing in yeah. the movie. And I was like, that's crazy. Who is she? she? Must have been in something else. And like, literally, her only other credit before this was uh, the new West Side Story. She was the right. new Maria. Yeah, and I was like, well, okay. I looked her up also, <laughs> so yes, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the thing was, like, when she made this, the movie, like, West Side Story hadn't come out yet. So, like, it was one of those things where it was, like, she was looking for work during, you know, COVID and everything. And so, like, she was able to, because, like, yeah, I read an interview also that she did where people were kind of like, this is kind of weird going from West Side Story to Shazam. She was like, well, West Side Story hadn't come out. She was a no-name actress at that point. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, you, I mean, do, you do the work that you get. She probably made more money off of this, but even though, but it's just weird that she got such high billing. That's what what I just didn't quite understand. But you know, whatever. Yeah. I you know, I think they're banking on her being a breakout star or something. Right. No, and I mean, I mean, she definitely has that star power, charisma, you know, going on. So mm -hmm. yeah, I, she definitely could be. Yeah. Well, Freddie thinks so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got it. Um. <laughs> Uh, so Nate, uh, what do you think about um, Shazam slash Billy in this? I, you know, I liked Billy uh, Angel Asher's portrayal of Billy. I think he aged up well. I I felt like there was a difference between the the younger, the two year, the sixteen year old Billy and the eighteen year old Billy. And I have to agree one hundred percent with Ryan that that Zachary Levi, the Shazam, felt. He was still 16. He was, and it was, maybe it was just because uh, the writers were like, hey, we know what we got here. You know, let's just play it, it, turn up Zachary Levi more. And that's how it just sort of like Zachary. He's like, okay, do my 16 year old, my 16 year old performance and then turn it up to 11. So he's just sort of still 16 years old, just more. So. To play devil's advocate though. If I mean, yes, I mean, certainly what Freddie was doing with his superpowered form feels authentic, but there were always like sort of the cut ups when I was in high school, like the like mm -hmm. the kids that were like were very like out there and acted very kind of silly. And like I could sort of see that somebody who might like want to be that way and who didn't feel confident in it until like, oh, now I'm completely anonymous. Like I'm this other character, like I can just act like silly and out there like that might just be like Billy's personality. Like I'm not saying that you guys be, yeah. aren't right, that he's acting younger than, you know, his apparent age his actual age but like i i i don't know that it's that it's so unbelievable because of people that i knew when i was in high school through senior right. year like that could just be like his his way like that he wants to be that sort of outgoing like very like sort of silly kind of person and that could be i mean that's not an in that's not a like a illogical choice just my my perception of the of billy shazam captain marvel character is that 
uh, mm. Shazam is always is still Billy. Billy is always Billy, regardless of what body he's in. Mm. He's still you can always tell Billy is in there and that and that is Billy. Uh, maybe they're going a different way with the character, and that was and maybe that wasn't well communicated to us that they're that, you know someone say well you're just like a different guy when you're in when you're Shazammed, mm. and I like. Billy better than Shazam because Billy's always taking not taking anything seriously and always cutting up and stuff and and Billy's way more serious and sincere and you know wears his heart on his sleeve so uh I don't know um it, it was it was something I noticed um and it was and I just I took it as like just the writers and the director just being like we know what works we know what 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 worked for the original Shazam movie. So let's just make more opportunity for Zachary Levi to be more Zachary Levi and do his, his funny comedy stuff. So, um, but that's all, that's all. I, but otherwise I really liked it. I really liked the, the character. Yeah. yeah. You know, his arc made sense. Like, yeah. I mean, to, to Nate's point, like um, I asked myself all of the lines that Zachary uttered could i see asher saying them and i get what you're saying nathan how you know oh he's free to be as funny as he wants to be but i don't know it just if if they'd shown at least when he's with his you know family uh he was a little bit more looser a mm. little bit more silly than it might have made like in high school i get it he's a shy wallflower you know but mm. it just it, it didn't really seem like the the same people it honestly seemed like billy lost a few iq points that's the wisdom of Solo Man, right? Yeah, there. Right, Solo <laughs> Man. Yeah, yeah. No, I wanted to. I... <laughs> yeah. No, but I did like I did like the stuff that Shazam was trying to do to keep the family together and doing the yeah. highlight reveal after their the bridge thing, and you yeah. know they're all kind of just like over it. They're just like, yeah, we they're gonna blame us no matter what. At least we saved people's lives and the old bridge is destroyed, but at least lives are <laughs> saved. You know. Uh, I actually thought the Solomon thing was really funny because of the fact that, you know, like overall, I think like over the, you know, I mean, Shazam's a character that goes back to the 40s. Like, I think that, you know, overall, like, you know, kids now, you know, just in general have a lot less knowledge of like biblical type stuff anyway. And I can totally mm -hmm. believe like a kid who's like 18 years old now does not know who Solomon is and never even heard of Solomon because, mm -hmm. you know it's just not there in the zeitgeist or the pop culture or anything. Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah. solo mom? <laughs> cracked up so much. Cause I'm like, it's like, it's like, it's like the reverse of the thing that like makes me like die inside when like a kid holds up like a VHS tape in a show or a movie and it's like, what is this? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> or like a, like a floppy disk or something. Oh, the save icon. You 3D yeah, the save, the save icon. icon. Oh, you 3D printed the save icon? <laughs> oh, I'm going to get out my cane and sort of hobble over to the kitchen and make myself some comfort food um the dictating pen worked really well yes oh they that was that was so fun yeah and helen mirren was reading it verbatim like it was <laughs> like the treaty of versailles and she was just like and just reading it's just like what is this she's like some sort of secret code what are they communicating to us you get so seriously and you can just hear the uh, the other people talking like does that sound good yeah that sounds good you know like then should we proofread it no i believe in the pen 
there are certain times when it's great when when you have an actor or actress that feels like they're too good for a project that they're in because mm-hmm. the disdain that they have for it, like go filters into the character. I feel the same way about Wesley Snipes and blade three, like the disdain he has for the production is so funny. Cause it works for blade in the movie mm-hmm. to just be looking at everything. Like this is garbage. Like, who are you people? You're stupid. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love it so much. And knowing that that's the way Wesley Snipes was on set too and it's just like ah oh, yeah. it's so good Wesley Snipes looking at everybody I bet you pay your taxes dumbass <laughs> Blade don't pay taxes but we know <laughs> we know because she's had an interview said that like Helen Mirren like did not know what was going on in this movie or anything and like didn't really care for it and, it's and she, just doesn't, great. Care. And she right. doesn't care she, doesn't she said care. she'll do anything You're like why were you in this movie you're a dame you have a noble title she's like I will yeah. do any I'm an actor if you pay me I will come yeah. She needed to remodel her kitchen. Right. So, like, her disdain <laughs> for the project, like, just filters into her character. And it's just like, mm. I love this. It's just like, looking at this, like, what is this? For the record, anybody out there listening, I'm not an actor. And I'll let you paint me to be <laughs> an enemy. It's fine. That's true. Anything? Anything. Anything. Oh, Anything. Oh, oh, wow. I'm not sure I'd put that out on the internet, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> if someone's going to pay me for whatever you're thinking about, that's on them. <laughs> that's a self or, or it's or it's a Or it's a numbers thing of, yeah, I'll yeah. do anything, but the price can go way up for certain things. I um, mean, we're, we're going to end this episode with everyone sharing our only fans pages with uh, the audience. Is that how this works? <laughs> um, sure, Ryan. Feel free to share your only fans page. <laughs> at the end of the show. Um. So. So. Yeah. Freddie. Like. Freddie. You know. Is kind of the focus, or or most of us have that he was kind of the focus of this movie. Um. So I listened to another podcast where they were all complaining and saying that Freddie was super annoying and they never liked him and they didn't like that he was the focus of this movie. Uh, I'm going to go on the record and say I love Freddy. I loved him in the first movie. I love him in this movie. Um, when he's like psyching like Billy out in the first movie and is like, oh, dude, don't let their nice like demeanor like fool you. Like it gets Game of Thrones here. Like when the lights go out, and I'm just like, why? And then he's like, ah, I'm messing with you. <laughs> I just love this kid's sense of humor. I love that he's like obsessed with. Uh, you know, superhero stuff. And I love like how he's behaving now that he has powers of his own. Like for me, it all works. And, you know, if somebody that looked like Rachel Ziegler had shown interest in me when I was 17, I would be just as head over heels uh, as he was in this movie. So I totally get it. Um, and, uh, and I liked it. I liked that he was the focus because, you know, in some ways, like, you know, we've already had Billy's had a good arc. And I mean, it still did continue here. And it was more about like the relationship with the parents as far as like the arc, because the rest of it was just him being a superhero. Um, but I was glad that Freddie like got his own sort of heroic moments in this movie. And like he was yeah. able to like come into his own as like a heroic figure, even without his powers um, in this movie. So I really liked that. Um, but everybody else's thoughts on Freddie. Um, Let's start with you, Benton. Uh, you know what I really liked about Freddy? Which it's, I really liked Freddy, and I'm really disappointed because of how badly the movie's done. We're not going to see anymore. Mm. Like, why was Freddy able to resist the Calypso's mind powers? Like, he, he was having a hard time, but 
but even the wizard wasn't able to resist for that long you know like what was the future like i was imagining you know freddie becoming the next wizard you know like like him having a Mm. another arc within the shazam universe but where he he becomes something more because of his mental fortitude. You know, he was able to to withstand yeah. the the fear breath from the dragon. He, he got all the wisdom of Solomon. He obviously <laughs> has all the wisdom of Solomon. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, and that's what makes me so disappointed because his they were. I feel like we were just they were just hinting at this is what Freddy's gonna do. This is this is the new Freddy and he was going to have his own thing and we're not going to see it now. And it kind of, it kind of sucks, but uh, yeah, I thought the actor, the young version and the old version of Freddie were, uh, were, were great. And his arc made sense. And I mean, he had more game than I did when I was his age. Uh, if a pretty girl, like, you know, Anathea came up and was like, Hey, you're cute. I would be just turn around and walk away. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't. I gotta go like, right okay, now. <laughs> okay. I, I think I have to use the bathroom now and just <laughs> run away from Um, so the fact that he was like, My name's Freddie, is, <laughs> he's a million miles further along than I ever was when I was in high school. That I would argue even now. So, um, but yeah, I like I loved his character. I could relate to it a lot. And uh yeah, Be- Beth got really mad when the teacher came up and was just like shaking his head at the older kids that were like or the bigger kids oh, that were like beating yeah, up the on bullying. Yeah, the I bullying was like, like okay, it wasn't like normalized like, bullying. Right. Wasn't like detention yeah. or anything. Like I was you know, like, those kids need to be expelled right. and go to mandatory therapy. Like that kind of bullying in front of the yeah. like you shouldn't be I don't know. I, I didn't. That was one part I didn't like about the movie was right. they were just like, "Oh, this is just shit." You know, ninety shenanigans. We're gonna just like, you know, punch a crippled kid in the stomach and break his crutch and and throw him in a trash can. You know, normal stuff. And I'm like, no, this isn't normal. I mean, and I get that they killed off that teacher later in the movie, so it's like kind of like, well, he yeah, I guess he earned his death, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, but it's like, but Jeez. it still seems like an odd choice to like sort of be like, because I don't know. I mean, that's a really cynical view of the school system that a teacher would view that yeah. level of bullying and not do anything other than, See, like, they lay off kids. Kids like, oh, that was, like, my second home. He's like, hey, I'm watching, so you can't do that now. Oh, sorry. We'll yeah. go later. When yeah. And that was – it was such a missed opportunity, too, because uh, I, I think if they, they could have literally played I, – I would have loved to seen if they'd had the bullies – bullying freddie but it's like you know hey we're making fun of you because you're a nerd not because of your disability you know I, that would have been like i just want to be clear know? here <laughs> yeah, exactly we are bullying you but because of your choices not because of your yeah that would have been i i think great and it would have uh it would have landed and it would have kind of made a point and it would have been made it a little bit more forgiving but the, yeah the fact that they literally warped his crutch and it's just like oh hey i spent a lot of time in that trash can too no we didn't know. Yeah, it, no it just is not yeah. acceptable yeah yeah, yeah. Anymore. Is, right yeah it's 2023 we can we can do better than this yeah i mean yeah. like i mean nate mentioned expulsion but i'm like even like the suspension something just yelling like telling the kids like the principal's office you're getting suspended mm-hmm. you know something like you know yeah anyway yeah that was i'm sorry i know that has nothing to do with freddie in particular other than that it's a sign no it's good that you mentioned it because it really did bother me when i watched it i watched it twice and i was Mm -hmm. like both times it happened i was like this is not okay 
It's, it made me uncomfortable, especially for a modern movie. Right. Yeah, no, I know that's the thing. Like our sensibilities now have moved on. You're right. In the 90s, you might have gotten away with a scene yeah, like that. But like Fast Times of Ridgemont High is yeah, I mean, one thing. It's, you know? it's like, it's like, yeah, I, I get we still have, have to have like, you can still do it. You can still have a, a bully. I mean, Flash Thompson in the new Spider-Man movies is a great example of, you know, updating the bully, but still, but within modern sensibilities. Uh, well, I mean, I, I, I think you can still have bullies that are actually intimidating because like the Flash and Spider-Man is not, but like, but like still like have consequences for that. And like, I think that would have been fine. Like they don't need to make it. I just call you names, Freddy. Oh, aren't I a Billy? <laughs> I hate the Flash. Talk. Like, I think that it's not a bully at all. Like, it's ridiculous. I think that they've, and those they've, aluminum crushes, they've underdone Flash to the point that like he's not anything. Um, but anyway... <laughs> Um, these were real bullies. They just, if a teacher saw them doing it, there should have been consequences. Um, James, what do you think about uh, Freddy of this? Yeah, I mean, I always liked Freddy. Um, I mean, I loved him in the first movie because of all the same reasons you guys kind of talked about. Like, he's he just spoke to my inner child. Like, right. uh, I, I was always into, you know, that stuff in high school, and I could very much relate to the character, um, at least on that level um and then uh in this yeah i mean not to keep beating a dead horse i agree with what you guys are saying as far as the bullying thing it just doesn't make sense like that a teacher would witness this and then just be like shame on you uh like no don't be an intimidating figure like do something um but unfortunately there are a lot of teachers out there who sometimes don't do something too so um but outside of that um yeah, I just loved his arc. Uh, I again, I think the kid who plays Freddy is is funny. Like I, he he does he does the comedy aspect of his character really really well. Um, as said, uh, I really felt for him in the fact that it's like he finds this girl, musters the courage to say any words at all to her, um, and then and then it's like, oh no, she's one of the bad guys, <laughs> and, and he discovers this, and yeah, it, it, his motivations make sense at that point as far as like feeling mm -hmm. betrayed, feeling hurt, but he's also really quick to forgive her too. It's like once she she like helps them, he's just like, okay, like I'm I'm not thrilled about like how we ended up here. But like, still into you. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. I thought. I I think his arc is really good. I I love his superhero name. It's so good. Uh, what was it like, Captain Everything Powers or something? <laughs> Captain, yeah, Captain Every Power. Uh, Captain Every Power. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh! Like, I wish so badly that was the name of the character in the comics. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, very much. You know, uh, um. Uh, 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 exuding that effort of you know this young teenage boy who as said like he's had a disability probably his entire life um and to be able to transform into this hero who does not have this disability i can't imagine how empowering that alone feels um to to not have to uh worry about people in society looking at you because of it or judging you because of it or anything um you know you, well you, they're looking and judging at him but in the in a way that he wants to be seen right yeah like, yeah like oh he's a hero and he's strong and he yeah and his family keep messing things apps. up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not enough apps. <laughs> um but yeah <laughs> uh i i think freddie uh, his uh, again kind of what nate was saying i am i'm really curious about like what made Freddy unique uh, to to resist like the 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 mind control and all that kind of stuff? 
um there's a lot of story to explore and continue to explore but yeah uh unfortunately we may not get uh that exploration unfortunately but yeah he was great yeah i did feel like the thing of like him with anathea at the end was a little weird because it's like after we established that she's like six thousand years old but there they are at the end like holding hands and stuff and i'm like wait a minute because <laughs> yeah. i still like, love moms i'm i love moms it's definitely life, a twilight romance like <laughs> right. i know it's like it becomes a how little, old are you right it becomes a little weird at that because it's like it's one thing for her to be like oh like i really like freddie like he's really sweet and everything but it's another thing for her to be like no i'm actually like interested romantically in freddie when there's like that thing of like an age like discrepancy and everything it's just a little yeah. at least they know. address it at least they're like we're uncomfortable with this right yeah yeah we're right yeah the yeah. parents say that but then obviously it doesn't like have any like you know lasting just anything slower, you know, <laughs> six thousand years well it's like, it's like they say towards the end after after the whole like wonder woman thing and they're just like what is, and she's like what is it with my boys and older women <laughs> it's just like i think older is is a a not the term that's not the term <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so yeah ryan what do you think about freddie uh yeah i mean obviously he stole the movie um, I, I feel like uh, Mary, Pedro, Darla, they, they all were static. They were pretty much the same characters that they were in the first one. Um, Eugene may have even regressed. Um, uh, and Billy's story was one note, but it made sense as a continuation of, you know, of, of his family. He's he's aging out of the system and, mm -hmm. you know, he's afraid that he's going to be alone again. So that made perfect sense. But Freddie felt like multifaceted he was layered mm -hmm. he he was a real fleshed out character in, in every sense like he's mm -hmm. he's accepted that this is his family he knows he's like hey you know i'm not going anywhere they're fine i love them they love me uh he was confident in them and he was really just like living it up he's got these superpowers and he's part of the you know philly fiasco but he's just gonna have fun with it as long as he can and um i, I was here for that yeah, the Philly fiasco. Oh, that was another thing that I heard people complaining about was like that they're like just like screw ups. But I I felt like as like a group of kids that are also heroes, my main issue was why did that bridge fail so catastrophically in ways that didn't even make sense? You know, <laughs> American infrastructure, Nathan. That's why. I, I, I mean, but bridges don't even fail. I don't know. I, I don't know. No, they they don't have have like you that. been to Pennsylvania? <laughs> <laughs> like that way. No like, offense to anybody living in Pennsylvania, I, but I've been there once, and <laughs> I thought it was going to turn out with something the daughters of Atlas did to like draw them out or something. But no, yeah, no, I didn't. thought so. I thought so too. I thought that was like, oh, they're yeah. Uh, I thought that. Um, Oh, never mind. I forgot what I was going to say. Okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, the fact, though, that they don't get things quite right and, like, they're kind of, like, considered screw-ups is, like, yeah, like, I think that feels kind of authentic. Like, I didn't have a problem with it. Like, I didn't yeah. think that that was, you know, like, oh, well, it just makes oh. it too silly or, or, or dumb or whatever, like. I remember an animated series uh, with Superman and uh, Kara, Supergirl, and he's trying to teach her how to be a superhero and she keeps breaking stuff because he's like, you got to understand like engineering and like structural integrity. When you go to catch a plane, you got to hold it this right way. You got to do this thing. You, otherwise you're just going to punch right through the plane and destroy everything. Like, you know, and they don't, they don't have that instruction. They're not adults. They don't yes. have any engineering 
build bridge building classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just simply focused on saving lives. They sold saved every single person, you know, 160, whatever people that were on that bridge could have died and they did live. So, I mean, that is a win, but yeah. You know, the news spins it, be like, well, they destroyed the bridge too. It's like, no, I think the bridge is going down anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I I completely agree with you on that one. Um, but uh, but yeah, so anything else we want to talk about with the family? Um, you know, Darla, Mary, uh, Eugene, Pedro. We kind of said like, you know, for the most part, they're fairly static, but anything that you wanted to, to comment on with this? Uh I felt like Mary had some growth. She was like, Well, now I'm not going to college. And I got to have a job and, you know, I want to move on and grow up, but I still feel like I need to be here to babysit these children with superpowers. You know, they, you know, they mentioned they're like, well, Billy, you just ask Mary for, and do whatever she says, but you act like you're the one in charge, but you just defer to Mary. Who's the only adult in this room. Um, so I felt like she had some sort of little bit of growth mm. there as a character, a little bit difference from the first movie. Uh, but, you know, Darla was just Darla, you know. And Pedro, uh, he had definitely had more line uh, than the first movie. He didn't really talk much in the first no, movie. No, no, he was very silent in the in the first movie. I absolutely love that Darla was creating, like, a diorama of, like, Mongols being, like, killed by unicorns. I thought <laughs> yeah. that was hilarious. Yeah, Chekhov's uh, unicorn. Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the payoff for that was great. Because so I just thought it was just, oh, that's just showing that Darla's kind of silly and weird. And, like, mm-hmm. the fact that all that stuff, like, paid off and the Skittles in Mary's pocket and everything mm-hmm. is just kind of like, I love this. Yeah. Yeah, again, that's good, prob- good movie making right there. Just right like, again, I think just that, establishing things in the first act that pay off. In the I third think act. Sandberg really deserves a lot of credit. Well, you see, but that, that's stark contrast to Eugene exploring the doors. Uh, yeah. You know, what, doing it right versus doing it wrong in, in this same yeah. movie. And I do feel. I mean, I wonder if like Skittles paid for some major promotion there <laughs> or what? Oh um, yeah, yeah. Well, well, I mean, but the like. Oh, they said first, taste the rainbow. We don't know if they taste rainbow mother. <laughs> yeah mother effort best line yeah (laughs) we don't know if there was like a cut like stuff that like might have like had the door stuff pay off either and that's something where they might have just been like but we'll leave in that he's exploring the doors in case we do a third movie and we want to like pay that off you know like later uh so we don't know um there might have been more there um but uh yeah james anything else about the family you wanted to talk about I just love the parents. I, I I love the story. The fact that like these aren't foster kids to them. The the, the yeah. these are their kids. Mm-hmm. This is their family. Um and and they're always man. I've I've been watching the guy uh, who plays the dad uh, through all of The Walking Dead. So and even <laughs> in that he played just a he was a very good like comedic character um at the right moments and i just i i really like that i like the fact that they discover <laughs> after they discover that they're you know powered through through shazam and it's this big lightning bolt and he's just like is that why lightning keeps hitting the house <laughs> you guys shazamming next to the house and then like towards the end they've got the nice like cross stitched or embroidered sign that's just like no shazamming in the house <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i thought that, that was fun although that had been spoiled for me by the advertisement like they did show that scene with him saying is that why lightning's always striking the house and the one oh. that i saw so yeah um so i knew that was coming when he kept like like he's like calling people and like lightning keeps striking the house i don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> um 
Yeah, Ryan, anything you more you wanted to say about the family? No, I mean, I, I agree. I feel like the the parents uh, got a little bit more um, into it, this this movie. And again, I, from whether it's Eugene and the Doors or the parents or whatever, this definitely feels like it, it was meant to be a trilogy. Like, we, there should have been a third one uh, to, to go somewhere. Um, but yeah, I, what, what, what did he rename it? The Battle Bus or something like that? He renamed the car, the, the van, the Battle Bus? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah mm -hmm. and i just um yeah cooper andrews uh i will watch him in just about anything um i just wish uh it, and the thing of it is is i don't know i can't remember if they explored it in the first one but there's i, I love the parents but also there's a um a hint of sadness about them like you know why are they i mean yes they're doing it out of the goodness of the heart they're great people but they keep bringing in all these foster children again and again and they again were both foster because they have children. so much love to give yeah, in the first movie they established, they had been foster children, and right. so they're yeah, and they're, they're paying trying... it forward, right? But but there's something else there as well, you know. I, I feel like you know why don't uh, I? I don't want to be maybe that's their choice or whatever, but they don't have a, any kids of their own, you know. Um, and I don't know if that 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 even needs to be explored, but it's just it hangs over them in a way that just makes their love of the kids when she and Bill when Billy calls her mom and and they hug at the very end, uh, it was probably the most emotional moment in the dceu to date mm -hmm. <laughs> like genuine emotion yeah 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 that was so she's like can i just hug billy not this whatever this thing is <laughs> she didn't even acknowledge him as like a person or a real thing she's like you're a construct i want my mm -hmm. real bill she wanted her son yeah. Right, yeah, she wanted son. her son. Yeah, no, yeah. no. Like I say, like really... this, this has been so positive as far as like a. Because so often, like when we see like adoption used in like TV shows, is to show like the trauma that kids get from the system or how awful it can be. Like Once Upon mm -hmm. a Time comes to mind, and you know Emma, you know, and and her experiences in the system, and you know, not good. She was constantly running away and everything, and it's just like, yeah, like I mean, I know that that kind of thing happens, and I know that it's real and it's a real story. You know, uh, but it's but... always very cynical, and it's always right. used as yeah the device to explain why the adopted person is, you know, evil or bad, or, or has problems, or has issues, or, or has problems, problems, like even if they're issues, even if they're the protagonist yeah. in you know the series. So, like, I'm oh, sorry, right? Well, this no, this movie acknowledged that. I mean, Billy Billy had had a tough time in foster right. care. They they admitted that in the first one, and in this one, he was unconsciously afraid that when he turned 18 and the check started coming that they weren't going to love him anymore so that they they they, they didn't but this is showing that there can be positive also yes. from the you can find like the family and and you know the kids you know can be treated right by people like who are really sincere which i think is yeah. probably more you know like tv and movies i'm just more saying disproportionately show the bad that can come from this but i think mm -hmm. more often than not it, it's a good thing it's a you know a kid who wouldn't have had parents now has parents and those parents are happy because you know a lot of times people who adopt can't have children of their own for whatever reason but i mean even if you just choose not to have children and choose to adopt you know it's the same thing though you have a child now that you can you know love and and you know take care of and so like I like the positive that they're that they're showing because I think it is something that is shown very rarely in entertainment media uh, with adoption. Yeah. Um, but uh, but all right. So let's talk about the mythological, you know, sort of aspects of this movie. Um, you know, we already mentioned Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren and Rachel Ziegler. Um, you know, I think for the different roles that they had within the movie, I think they all, you know, did a great job. 
um, you know, doing what they needed to do as the characters that they were. Um, it's kind of nice to see Helen Mirren's character, like, sort of, like, be more... Because I expected her to be the big bad, right? I expected her to be, like, the the ultimate evil, like, you know, old witch kind of figure. And it turned out that, no, she was the more even-tempered, you know, one. Like, she was the one that was kind of like, we just need the staff, you know, and once we get the staff, we're good. And Lucy Liu I mean, was the vengeful, like, nasty, evil, yeah. you know, sort of one out of the all. The goddess of, of chaos turned out to yeah. be the evil one. <laughs> the most evil one. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dramatic twist. <You> know, <laughs> yes. yeah. Surprising no one, the middle child was the problem. You know? <laughs> Clearly, yeah. yeah. Obviously. <laughs> Never have a middle child. Well, um, I, but I like the fact that they went beyond that. And, like, you know, we see, like, mm -hmm. all sorts of, like, mythological creatures in it. I love the whole thing of, you know, usually, like, unicorns are painted as these sort of cutesy, like, oh, like, unicorns, sparkles, and rainbows, and, like, unicorns are, like, these dark, like, like the most ferocious, fearsome monsters. <laughs> they are because... abominations. <laughs> <laughs> the depths of depravity the that they explore, you'll never know. Yeah, it was, it was, it was yeah. the way he talked about it. I almost wanted it to be him to be wrong and just like his perception was off <laughs> and them to be sparkly white. I was actually really expecting that. <laughs> but then when they really were just like dark, evil versions of unicorns, I was like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah they were going to definitely run with that. Yeah. And I love that Skittles are the things that tames them. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if Skittles are as close as we have to Ambrosia, then I've never had the right Skittles in my <laughs> life or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I like Skittles, but not that much. <laughs> yeah. Every time I get Skittles, they're always, like, stale, so I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I know, I think that's normal Skittles, you know? <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, like, way. obviously they're playing fast and loose with the mythology. Obviously, honestly, my biggest problem was in the same movie that they invoke Wonder Woman on us, they also give us an alternate version for why the gods died. And I'm like, wait a minute, because like in Wonder Woman, it was that Ares killed all the gods, um, you know, and he himself was <laughs> injured. Whereas in this, it's like, oh, no, the staff took away the powers of a bunch of the gods and that's why they died. And it was but like wasn't Atlas. They said that Atlas wasn't one of the Greek gods. He was a Titan. Right. But they say that right? like, Zeus... and the Titans and the Greek gods fought against each other. But but they say but they do list that like Zeus, Mercury and all of them were like their powers were stolen and put in the staff. Oh, and, and that's, that's why Shazam gets his Zeus. Oh, right. Exactly. And so yeah. like. Yeah, well, like I see... felt like they didn't reconcile that, and I was kind of like, "Oh, well, that's that's kind of a problem if you're supposed to be in the same universe." But okay, it 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 could be two different events. Like you know, Ares rose up and had his war and so forth, and then later on, humans were like, "Hey, no, we're not going through this again." So then they rose up and they invent the staff, and I mean, it could be reconciled. Well, maybe Ares helped them make the staff, and Ares yeah. helped steal the powers. Mm. Like they they both happened at the same time. Yeah. I guess I don't know because we didn't yeah. even see Zeus or 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 anyone else. Right. Yeah. The, like the like in, when Wonder Woman's Atlas telling the, the story in the beginning of her movie, and you just see like little still frame kind of all you know like yeah. things of like these are the things that happened and yeah um, yeah like what do you guys think about sort of like the mythology and how they sort of like use the you know like the the mythology in the movie um, any thoughts on that James. Um, I mean, 
I don't know. I try, <laughs> I try not to, because I like history and I like mythology mm. and all that. So, uh, yeah, I try to <laughs> compartmentalize <laughs> myself uh, when I go into movies because, yeah, it's like uh, a just the mythology within the universe itself, and b just the mythology <laughs> in general being wrong. I was just like, oh my gosh, like there's so much of this, I can't believe. But, um, but again, it's you know. It's a comic book movie based on a comic book. Like I can't, I can't take it too seriously. Otherwise, yeah, I just won't find that entertainment there. So, um, I think, I think retconning a few things, eh? It's here and there. Uh, because at this point, I don't even know what universe any of these movies are actually taking place in. Uh, <laughs> so I was just like, okay, that's fine. We got, we got to see Gal Gadot one more time in the outfit joy (laughs) yeah although i think they must have cut some things because before the movie even aired there was somebody did like one of those like analyses of the trailer and they do like frame by frame and they're like oh look at this and there was a scene that showed like like this glowing string from up high and you just saw boots and it was Wonder Woman boots. And they're like, Wonder Woman's in the movie. Before there was the ad, you know, because they did spoil it just before because they wanted to put more seat people in seats where they did release an ad that showed that Wonder Woman was going to be in the movie. And so, like, I think there was a scene where Wonder Woman was helping with, like, fighting the mythological creatures um, that they cut for some reason. I don't know why they cut it um, because we never got a scene like that where you see like an angle downwards where she's like up on high somewhere and you see like the lasso and you see her boots, you know, mm-hmm. we never get that. So I'm, I'm curious what was cut and why they cut it. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Probably but another dream sequence. Maybe. <laughs> uh, but Ryan, yeah. What do you, uh, yeah. What do you think about the mythological like aspect of this? I- you know, again, it's one of those things where you just turn your brain off and go with it because otherwise you're wondering, okay, there are these three daughters of Atlas and what I, I'm guessing is Olympus mm-hmm. and like 10 dudes in masks who we never see anywhere else except there. Um, and like, where the heck is everyone else? And then there's also the fact that all they wanted was, you know, the seed. Uh, which was in the apple, which was in the enchanted rock. And then once they have it and then like, oh, they could have planted that in Olympus like thousands of years ago and brought that back and everyone would have been happy and we could have prevented all this. I, I, I don't know. It's like, it's, again, you don't really want to think about the motivations too hard or else it kind of all starts falling apart a little bit. But um, yeah, again, I just, I, I just was not invested in the mythological aspect of it. It's like, especially in a kind of a coherentness of it, because it's, I kind of just kind of assumed that the whole movie was, I was looking at it through the perspective of Billy and so it made sense to him, so it made sense to me. Okay, <laughs> Nate. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, that the the mythology was very was as as connected to our own history as the original Shazam movie and even Black Adam was. Like, I know they they're pulling names from the histories, but like it it doesn't really sync up with what we know um and you know if you wanted to get super pedantic about it maybe you know they know what they know is the truth because obviously they were there and that the legends have mutated over time and 
You, you know, it's like it's like it's such a long time ago. Like, who who knows? Right. I mean, I thought that was a really easy way to reconcile that part. I didn't feel like it was a retcon. I didn't. I didn't feel like disoriented. Like, what movie am I in? What movie universe am I in? Is this connected to Wonder Woman at all? Like, was Wonder Woman lying? Was Ares lying? Like, like I wasn't. Like, I was just like, oh, okay, you know, it's yeah. yeah. You know, the Council of Wizards got their powers from stealing them from the gods, put it in, and by taking it from Atlas. I did think it was weird that Atlas was the guy who bestowed, you know, god powers onto other things like Zeus and stuff, like, um, and he could take him away, like, that kind of put him above other gods, and I was like, well, I, that's not really my understanding of Atlas, but okay, whatever, we'll just go with it. You know, I mean, <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's it, we're dealing in a universe where you know Shazam breaks the staff of the wizard in Philadelphia, and rather than Argus picking it up or Amanda Waller or something like that, it somehow ends up in a museum in Greece, you know. So, <laughs> I, mean, well, I think they yeah. said it, it was they were like, We found this in it's amazing, we found this in a landfill in <laughs> Philadelphia, we don't have no idea how it got there, but it belongs here in Greece. Right. you know <laughs> yes because like cultural treasures get returned to the country of origin all the time uh, <laughs> no like i i was i was yeah i mean like yeah i mean i did have a problem with it having like the continuity issues with wonder woman although that's par for the course with shazam because in the first shazam movie which i which i discovered when i rewatched it a few months back uh it says that the wizards the other wizards were all killed by the seven deadly sins but in black adam they were all killed by black adam so like we're already like <laughs> not very coherent with our story uh in this in these um but yeah no for what i was talking about the mythological aspect i was talking you know also about like how well like the monsters were realized and stuff i thought they did a great job like realizing the monsters i thought that they like oh yeah you know no, they were they terrifying were, like, were suitably terrifying yeah you know mm -hmm. like beyond the unicorns which were twisted from even how mythology you know like but like the ones but that the were cyclopses, very like the mentors right the, the cyclopses yeah. and stuff like that were very like the 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 um the uh kind of manticore that's the one i was trying to think of yeah the manticore things like that like they look really the good and again like knowing that this is like the low budget dc movie like how well mm -hmm. they pulled off like a lot of these visual effects it's like yeah like this is they, they need to do this more they yeah. need to elevate directors who are used to low budgets and letting them direct mm -hmm. these kinds of things because it's like a lot of times like directors get like typecast into certain roles like oh this is a horror director or whatever but like oh. we see like david sandberg like you know like he can do a movie that's not a horror movie and do really well with it you know even though he's a horror director quote unquote you know i mean how, how do you do multiple cyclopses and and unicorns and a dragon in daylight and they look right. that good and then you do one doomsday at <laughs> night and it looks that bad right. <laughs> yeah i mean a few years have passed you know so i mean there's that but like yeah but yeah, but yeah no you're i mean I think your point's still valid i'm just saying that to be fair though technology does keep getting better and better especially the visual effects technology that like is rapidly progressing in like crazy ways um mm -hmm. but uh but yeah um um so um yeah let's talk about the cameo like i again because like i saw the thing where people were analyzing like the trailers and whatnot i was not surprised and also one an action figure for wonder woman that said shazam fury of the gods came out before the movie so i was not surprised by wonder woman's presence uh in yeah. there it also sort of goes along with james gunn saying like oh maybe you'll see wonder woman sooner than you think <laughs> which he did 
uh, you know, not too long ago. Uh, so, <laughs> so people thought he meant for one of his movies, but, you know, he was talking about, you know, uh, Shazam. So Sorry about uh, the one that was already in the can. Right, exactly. Kind of cheap. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, any thoughts about, you know, Wonder Woman in this? And I, I, I do want to say, because uh, we've been inconsistent on these podcasts, and I do want to say, because I have gone, I have researched, I have made sure. I know there's a play called Waiting for Godot, but her name is Gal Gadot. <laughs> With, with the T sound. So I just, I do want to say that. So okay, yeah. We'll um, yeah. Gal Gadot uh, and her appearance in this. Anyone have anything they want to, they want to say about that? Well, I was waiting for Gadot the whole movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I thought, I thought it was okay. I thought, you know what? It was cheesy, but it was w- within the feel of the movie. Like yeah. would, would Wonder Woman do that in a Wonder Woman movie? Just like pick up a stick and like think about it real hard and magic comes back. No. But does it happen in a Shazam movie? I don't yes. know. With Wonder Woman 1984, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, Let's go to the Smithsonian and fly the plane. I can just of- think about a plane and it turns invisible. <laughs> and then we and think about it turns invisible. The gas tank is full of fuel. Uh, <laughs> No, a museum piece is ready to fly. Uh, right, and that's what I was. That's exactly what I was thinking of when I said Night Woman 1984. Yeah. yeah. Hey, it was Wayne Tech, okay? So yeah, obviously. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I was I was fine. I was fine. It was it was completely within the theme and feel of the movie. It fit. It didn't. It wasn't out of place. It didn't, it wasn't like it didn't feel forced like that weird Henry Cavill cameo at Black Adam. <laughs> that was just like. It, it didn't feel right. I it was love just, it felt like Henry Cavill was like, why am I on set? Okay, I'm sorry. This is a total tangent. But I love the fact that now The Rock has been shamed publicly by like DC and by everybody. He's like, fine, I'm going to go to Disney and remake Moana. <laughs> okay. All right, go do that. And he made like a big, like a big cool. thing about it too. Like this big video advertisement about... You know, he's doing Moana. He's like, I'm going to do Moana live. Uh, I don't know. The lives aren't doing that great. I mean, I, I want the tagline I, I, to be like the, the balance of power in the Disney. I'm going to go to Disney and make my own movie with Blackjack. This movie is about to change. Okay, go go for it, Rock. And then him is now like with his arms folded. Yeah. Hmm. I, I literally don't know what universe I live in where. Dwayne Johnson is suddenly less popular than Vin Diesel, you know. Uh, oh, oh, that was the other happen? thought I had. <laughs> James Gunn, when you do your own version of Black Adam, cast Vin Diesel. No, Vin Diesel has the same clause in his contract. That's where The Rock got it. Just to piss off. You can't off. lose a fight. Just to piss off The Rock, <laughs> oh, yeah. cast Vin Diesel as Black Adam in the new DCU. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Just one cameo. It doesn't have to be like a whole movie. Right? No, no, no. That's what I'm up. saying. Yeah. Like, yeah, just like, like, like a sequence, like in a Justice League movie or whatever. You see, like, oh, yeah. you just know, like you like see, like, the... a, like a list of their villains or whatever. A picture of the like, Injustice Vin Society Ooh, is right. floating in the background. <laughs> right. And Diesel as Black Adam is there, <laughs> and they're like, Black Adam, why are you in the Injustice Society? We, we uh, know it's about family. You know, Vin Diesel's doing the group voice for Gun and Guardians of the Galaxy, so they must have some, you know, relationship. So maybe, hey, Vin, I got this great idea. Why don't you come down, put on a Black Adam costume? We'll like film you, like do like a few like poses. Or if you wanted to do a real Black Adam, just get Batista. 
<laughs> do another superhero movie. But. No, but I just wanted to pick somebody who would really make yeah. The Rock mad. Yeah, it would really it's like make Gatsby it. Yeah. It really would. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's no. That's great. That's really. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Just, I mean, I was happy to see Gadot, and this is her last appearance as Wonder Woman. It was nice to see her again and get her. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does feel funny. That it's like we had Cavill in Black Adam, we've got Gadot in uh, this, and we're going to have Affleck in The Flash. And it's like, you can see like how the old DC management was like, we're going to bring all these people back and we're going to like move forward with like these, these, these actors that everybody was yeah. happy with in the roles. And we're going to, yeah. and we're going to finally bring the DC universe together just as they're like, the new management is like, nah, we're going to erase all that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah that's nice and then they just like scoop it into the trash can that's great. Right. That's we, we were like we were like two movies away from seeing cyborg again right. yeah. <laughs> well i don't know i don't know that he would have ever worked for the old dc management i don't know with gun in charge maybe he would be willing to come back but i don't think that uh yeah he would work with any of the people yeah. that were part of the old dc group um but yeah um but yeah anyone else have anything to say about Godot and shazam Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the other post-credit scenes. Um. So another, you know, fallout the from controversial. Yeah. Well, another fallout from Dwayne Johnson was that originally the first credit scene was supposed to be Hawkman and Cyclone coming to try to recruit Shazam to be part of the Justice Society, but Dwayne Johnson wouldn't allow any of his people to be on a Shazam movie. And so because of that, they had to re, you know, do it to have the the people that Waller that work for Waller, um, you know, from like Peacemaker and Suicide Squad, you know, come and try to recruit. Uh, this is wild. I can't believe that. I mean, I can. I can believe that he thinks that those actors and those characters, because they're in the Black Adam movie, he has say over like he has a Black Adam universe. Well, I think that somehow because it was his production company, like like he yeah. did have some say over them. Some being rights in. over yeah. them for some period of time. Yeah. It's wild, wild yeah. that the 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 background pretty much to his superhero movie isn't allowed to be anywhere near the the source material. Uh and you know I, I think it's a colossal mistake on his part to act like his stuff is better than Shazam. And it's like, no, you yeah. are Shazam. I really think he thought his star power would be enough to take control of DC, the DC movies. And, you know, I guess with the old management, he had some sway and it's just it wasn't working with the new management. And, you know, that's why we see that. Well, you know, James Gunn isn't swayed by that kind of stuff. He doesn't care about it. Well, I mean, talking about the new people who are in charge of Warner right now, like, oh, like, man. like, you know, because Black Adam was made, even though it wasn't released until Discovery bought Warner Brothers, like Black Adam was made mm -hmm. while um, I forget that the name of the guy, struck. Walter Hamada. Yeah. Back when Walter Hamada was in charge of Warner. And so, like. And I, I guess, like, because they didn't have a vision, like, the fact that Dwayne Johnson was like, I have a vision was enough, and I'm a star, was enough for them to yeah. be like, dude, you get what you want, you know? <laughs> and uh, the, the new management was like, <laughs> we'll have wild. somebody with, like, more creative, like, you know, like, background, like, control things. That makes more sense. And James Gunn's like, oh, it's okay, I got two people. They'll <laughs> walk up the road, and it's okay. I, I guess what boggles my mind the most about that is how how the rock or dwayne johnson just 
picked and cho chose. You know, Cavill, yes, we can keep him. You know, I, I want him in my movie. Um, Shazam, no. But the wizard, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. Oh, you know, we well, haven't talked about the wizard at all in this movie. And oh, other yeah. than the fact that he was like, oh, like, I couldn't exist in your world anymore. And that's why I like crumbled into dust. But then is clearly able to come back to our world. Totally and exist fine. Just fine. Is totally that's fine. Like, that Magic. was a problem. But otherwise, I love the character in this. I loved, like, <laughs> yeah his disdain for like you know the stuff that freddie <laughs> was doing and all of that was great and i love like his sort of new look at the end where yes. he's sort of like you know like i'm gonna be part of the modern like world now um but yeah uh, he, i like how so he was good. like billy you are my greatest mistake <laughs> and i say this with all interesting <laughs> you are terrible and the fate of the world is in peril because i gave you my powers and i shouldn't have <laughs> I just it was so the earnestness of his his uh, uh of Billy was just it was just awesome. It was just yeah. the way he just and then yeah. at the end it was like, nah, no, nah, you're you're pretty good. Because <laughs> you got people who like you. <laughs> I mean, you're terrible, but the people you picked, they're great. They're great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I all right, so I'm just gonna say this, like and I, I know I'm getting a little nerdy here, but some of the best leaders in history haven't been that great themselves, but they knew how to mm -hmm. surround themselves with good people, you know. Yeah. And so, like, that's you know, I mean, that is a skill. That is, you know, yeah. something to like know who the people are that you should be, you know, that have to like give you advice and, and help mm -hmm. you be a better, you know, leader um so yeah um so yeah i thought that was legit and i thought that was good you know like wisdom coming from the wizard um and yeah. i was just happy to have him back in this because i didn't think we were going to see him again you know he crumbles away at the first movie and so i'm like okay that that was the wizard he's he's done yeah. um, i mean i knew i saw it coming but i still think the fact that like he took a splinter from the staff and he mm -hmm. used that to send the message that was like that was pretty awesome yeah I, no i, I thought that was really cool too like the, a way to utilize that and uh yeah yeah um well what was that disney fantasy movie um sword in the stone no 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 um <laughs> where they had a splinter from the magic staff and the kid and it was like elves oh like a modern oh you're fantasy. thinking of um yeah i i know i know i know what the movie is that you're talking about i just oh my gosh right it was i love this movie because it was a Pixar film, and it yeah, again, right. Disney didn't do a lot of good uh, advertising. But when he he got the splinter out, they did the thing in this movie, uh, and the the it's modern day, so there's no more onward, so there's no more magic in the world, and uh, the kid gets a splinter from the magic staff, and then he uses a spell using that splinter to uh, enlarge the splinter. So it's a full staff, <laughs> and then he uses it to cast nice. spells to fight the dragon. Um, he, he wished for more wishes. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it, basically it worked. And so when when he was pulling the splinter out of his fingernail, which my seven year old daughter did not like <laughs> at all. Yeah, my my wife say. did not like watching that. <laughs> I don't yeah, think anybody liked that part of the scene. Uh, but that was definitely the horror director going. Like, I gotta have something. Can I, I, I can I put a can I put a splinter up this guy's fingernail? Because I am a horror director. So when he pulled that out, I was like, oh, he's gonna do the. I'm going to make a magic staff out of a splinter. And then he had it do the little magic spell. I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. I like that. It was yeah. a good, it was a good, good thing. <laughs> Sorry to take you down that track. No, but that's, that's what I, but that's what I thought when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is like onward. 
okay. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't recall ever even hearing about that one. Oh, that's a yeah, solid to, movie. Okay. It is. Is a yeah. It's like fantasy. And the world was fantasy, and then they discovered technology, and then people just stopped using magic. Mm. It's easier to flip a light switch than to cast a spell. Right. But so, and but it's a, it's a really good movie. You would like it, actually. I'm surprised. Yeah, that sounds cool. Um, yeah, but it, does that mean there, there? I don't think there's a lot to say about the post credits that were like that. You know, I mean, it was it was you know fun to see them trying to recruit him for the JSA and making fun of the confusion between like the JSA yeah. and the Justice League. I like how League. they acknowledge they're like, yeah, yeah. So there's the Justice League where the cool kids are. <laughs> you want to be? You're not good enough for that. You're good enough for us. <laughs> Why do you want to be on a team with Wonder Woman? Dude, are you serious? <laughs> that was funny. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of people are complaining like, oh, like James Gunn was just trying to put his wife in more things. But it's like, you know, they they had a scene that didn't include her and The Rock like didn't let them do it. So like, I don't really feel like that's like a problem with like James Gunn yeah. trying to put his wife in more you Stuff. just need some Amanda. You oh, right, somebody connected to Waller around Amanda Waller right. to recruit for JSA, which is an Amanda Waller thing, right? Uh, you know, which is cool. I, I like a Justice League versus Justice Society type of movie where they come in conflict, yeah. you know, with each other, which would happen, you know. But uh, no, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and so then we have the the final, the, the actual post credit scene, which brings us back to Doctor Savannah, which I was hoping because I was like. I actually like the idea because, you know, usually if you're going to reuse a villain, like most movies will do it sequentially, like, oh, like we'll have, you know, this villain, you know, appear in every movie. And I was kind of mm -hmm. like, I was kind of happy that Savannah was sitting out the second movie thinking, yeah, but it would be cool if they set things up so that a third movie could have Savannah come back with Mr. Mind because they tease Mr. Mind at the end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. And then we have the scene at the end of this one. And I got to say, I was a little disappointed because it was played for laughs. And I was really hoping that it was going to be more of a sin, like if they had um, Savannah in this, that it was going to be more of a sinister sort of like, now the plan is about to happen or whatever. Like, you know, I'm going to take back my magic or, you know, something along those lines. And instead it was just kind of like, you know, Mr. Meyer's just like, uh, I'm a worm. I move really slow. Ha ha ha. Like, I'll come back yeah. later. And that was, that was He's it. Like, Why were like, you oh, so uh, It took me a long time. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. When I think of Mr. Mind, I always think of of the Injustice Society and you know the League of Supervillains and 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 you know because he's he's not that great on his own, right? He works better in a team. So uh, I was like, oh, maybe we're gonna get a Vandal Savage or um. Uh, the super smart ape. Oh, Grog. Grog? Grog. God, why couldn't I think of Grog? Uh, and Grog and stuff like that kind of storyline. I was like, oh, maybe they're setting that up. And then, you know, obviously not. We're going to do something different now. Yeah, so. Mark Strong is just so good that I just like yeah. wanted. But I mean, I don't think it really matters now because this movie is doing so poorly that I don't think there's any chance of any of these characters ever showing up again. Like Mark Strong may be part of the new DCU as some character. Like they might rehire him either to do Sinestro or something else, you know, like, but mm -hmm. I don't think that we're going to see the Shazam family, but 
if it had yeah. done well, I I wish this had been more of a more serious sort of post credits to sort of set up the third <laughs> well, movie. But um, and, and that's just it, right? Like ever since Iron Man and Nick Fury, the post credit scene exists for to basically set up the next movie or set up a future project. And then you had that second post credit scene, which was just for laughs. Mm -hmm. And so sitting through these, knowing that odds are extremely good that we're not going to get any more of this Shazam, any more of this universe. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. It just felt like, well, it better be a really good laugh. And it just wasn't, it was like, Oh, I'll be back in a, I mean, it's going to take me a while to get it, but I'll be, I need one more thing. I'll be back, but you're not, you're not going to be back. So it's just. (laughs) Right. And like, even like the stuff in the other one. I could have gone to the bathroom. (laughs) Right. You know, like seeing Shazam, like blowing up bottles with his lightning and then like, yeah, okay. The joke about, you know, like, dude, how can you not like know why I want to be with Wonder Woman? Yeah. It just, I mean, yeah, none of it was super funny. It was okay for a light laugh, but like, yeah, I mean, yeah. So a little disappointed at the end, um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, I mean, that's where Marvel it gets it right. Is that Marvel, all their post-credit scenes, like, key up the next movie, right? Like they know what the next movie is going to be, and they're like, we're going to do, we're going to insert this scene to cue up the next movie, and it always, and I mean, it did do it perfectly. No, because we saw the Infinity Gauntlet inside you know asgard's vault (laughs) and then they had to explain that in some like cartoon or something but you know but it always led into the next thing it always overflowed and so that's how it felt interconnected although that 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 is but but dc's post-credit scenes were always just like oh we'll do what disney does you know uh we'll do a funny scene where they're eating uh with the kidney shawarma, they're eating bagels with locks, <laughs> you know, and they're like, okay, bagels with locks, guys, it's funny, you know, <laughs> but it oh. never keyed into anything else. It didn't lock, it didn't connect to anything. All else. that might bite Marvel in the rear now because they've had all these ones with Jonathan Majors is the big thing. And then it's like, oh, yeah. depending on how this trial goes, like maybe this yeah, isn't we'll going to be so good. <laughs> That we've gone really deep into our next big bad, and then it's like, uh oh, <laughs> can we use this actor anymore? So, <laughs> uh, I don't know, I know it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> but we'll see how that all turns out. But I, I was kind of shocked reading that news. I was like, man, Ezra Miller isn't the only one. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't, isn't he? Didn't take a family hostage, so I think. Yeah, he should still have a job. If I mean, Miller I, can still have a movie after like kidnapping yeah. people, uh, yeah. then he, he can he can have a job. I'm, the bar's pretty high now. I haven't heard anything on it recently, but the last I heard didn't wasn't didn't wasn't the story recanted or something like that. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Like uh, that's that's yeah. information I have not seen then. So that it's, will, that's it's messy as it is with all domestic abuse stuff. Um, yeah, but you know, she's yeah, it's 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 not it's messy. It just looks messy. Yeah. It's not cut and dry. So I'm just reserving judgment until sure. Mm-hmm. No, I I get that. I mean, that's what I was saying. Like if we see how things go with this, but if it's already been recanted, then it's probably just a blip um, rather than you know anything serious. Um, he probably just needs to keep quiet for a couple of months. Right. Yeah. Um. All right. So yeah, I mean, anything else that you guys wanted to mention about Shazam: Fury of the Gods, uh, Ryan? Uh, you know, I'm just. I'm happy that we're we're wrapping up the DCEU on. I know we still got a few to go, Flash and so forth. Uh, on on a high note, um, I, I think it's hilarious that of all the 
DCEU characters that Shazam, if you count Black Adam, had like the largest, you know, sub franchise uh, of any of the others. Um, and uh, I, I, I extremely enjoyed it. And um, it, it was it's just it was great fun. And, you know, if you anyone listening to this hasn't seen it yet, and I don't know why you're listening to two hours of this and you haven't <laughs> seen it yet. Um, but if you haven't. Yeah, yeah, go see it or rent it or you yeah, know, it's already on whatever. HBO Max as of time of this yeah. reporting. So I mean, like, exactly. Yeah, that's not good because it was supposed to not supposed to come until. Um, oh no, it's supposed to come in April. It's April. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. it's only like three Wait. or four weeks after theatrical release. That's almost unheard of. So yeah, that's it's that's a not worthy successor to Shazam. Absolutely. Like you can watch Shazam and watch Shazam two and be satisfied yeah. and happy and it's fine you know it's it's i mean the 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 quibbles we had with shazam too are the same we had with with um you know christopher nolan's second batman movie like it was you know it, it was a worthy successor and it's good is it an amazing movie that changes the genre or anything no it does not it's not pushing any borders it knows what it is and it does what it it knows what it's what works and it does it well it executes yeah on a movie and it doesn't leave anything hanging except for the secret doors thing, which might be in an extended version. This is a scene that's not, that got cut out. I feel like, I, I don't know why they would do that, but you know, the secret doors is the only thing that's just like left unanswered, but everything else, it's, it's a good movie. No. Yeah. Um, James, anything you wanted to say about black Adam or sorry, it's just, don't say anything about Black Adam. Don't say anything about Black Adam. We're gonna have another movie. Um, We're gonna have another podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think I think we talked about uh, a lot of the aspects, and yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this outside of you know anything we've spoiled and you haven't seen the movie, definitely go check it out. Like it's it's not an awful movie, and if you think it's awful, uh, I think you need to learn how to disconnect your brain and just like enjoy a movie for what it is. Yeah, it's funny because I usually hate it when people say, like, turn off your brain because I'm like, I don't know how to do that. But, like, this movie, like, I don't feel like it, like, um, what's the word? I don't think it patronizes the viewer. And I don't think it's like a movie because sometimes when people say, like, that's how you have to enjoy a movie. It's a movie that I feel is patronizing. But it's like, it's a movie that's, like, silly fun, but, like, not so yeah. bad. Like, it's not so, like, the characters don't act so unbelievable that, like, I can't like it, it's just so like like hard to reconcile with anything again we're talking about a magical superhero you know sort of thing physics aside i'm talking about characters that's the thing that usually yeah. like hurts me when characters act so unbelievable <laughs> and you know like i i feel like i could i could get in the headspace of the characters in this and i could understand them so like that's enough for me enough reality and for the me. action scenes with helen mirren weren't unbelievable yeah, yeah. like i really thought i was expecting Helen Mirren's an old woman. Right. She's not going to be obviously. She's going to be. She's going to be stunted and CGI'd. But you know what? When she kicks Shazam across the street into a building, I didn't. I didn't feel like it was out of place. I didn't. I didn't get disconnected from the movie. I was like, "Holy! Shit, he just got kicked in the chest across the street." Visually, into the this movie is great. Like, the, visually, the movie yeah. works. Story wise, yeah. this yeah. movie works. Like directing, editing, like acting on so many levels this movie is a good movie and it does not deserve 103 million or 120 million or whatever it makes in the end 
it doesn't deserve that. It deserves more. Yeah, and I feel bad that David Sandberg has basically been like, I'm glad to move on to like back to horror because like then I don't have to like respond to all these like fanboys and everything because it's like so like like people have like you know maybe soured him on ever doing another superhero movie just because of the way the fandom has treated him and i'm like he's a great like like jazam may not be your cup of tea like like the character may not be your cup of tea the the tone may not be your cup of tea but i think as a director he has proven himself as being like an exceptional like director doing these two movies and and yeah, I feel bad that he has to say that, like in an interview, um, yeah. that that the situation I mean, it's just soured him, you know, on it, you know, just the reactions yeah. of, of the quote unquote fans, <laughs> you, you know, know, that that have, get, that have all been dissing this. Like, give that guy a Star Wars movie. Give him one of the Star yeah. Wars movies. You know, mm-hmm. I would love to see what he could do with that. Yeah, no, well, I mean, he's not yeah, I, one. I, we just announced all the directors, so. right. yeah. <laughs> but, but like, but like, the like next podcast, but like, I would be happy if Marvel wanted to employ him for a Marvel character to give him a shot, you know, or, you know, like, like Star Wars is fine, like anything like, but these two movies, yeah, I feel like he's proven that he can go beyond genres, you know, and so like, give mm-hmm. him other things to do. Uh, you know, whatever he would feel interested in, let him have a project, you know, because I would, I would at least give him the benefit of the doubt um on any other project that he wanted to work on um, yeah hopefully his career isn't hurt by this but right. i don't think it will be because you can just look at it objectively you know this is a good movie right. and it's put together well so. this movie great movie right movie wrong time yeah you know if, if it came out three years ago it would have been ungrateful. yeah i do wonder if this had come out a year ago right like yeah like like before they announced that the dc universe was going away you know and it's going to be a new one and all that like if this would have done like a lot better um, or if but, it just had closer proximity to the success of Shazam, right? You know, where people are like, "Oh yeah, Shazam!" and it came out before Black Adam, right? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Like we've, I think we've talked about uh, Shazam: Fury of the Gods enough, and so now let's say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. Hmm. Um, so let's start with you, Nate. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Nate Bob Benton, and you can find me on uh, TikTok, Nate Bob Benton. Uh, my random brain droppings there. All right, James. Yeah, uh, you can find me uh, Twitter, Roman on the Rocks. I mean, everywhere I'm Roman on the Rocks. Uh, I do also have a TikTok uh, myself where uh, I mostly talk about like just uh, the good stuff, like trying to keep your mental health right. So yeah, uh, look for me in any of those places. All right, and Ryan, and don't forget to mention your OnlyFans. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if you like pictures of middle-aged men's feet, my OnlyFans page is for you. You know, uh, but no. Uh, in all seriousness, there's somebody can, out there who does. There, there is, there is, yeah. And you can find a link to that OnlyFans page on geekstranger.com, my website. So go there if you want to get to, you know uh, the OnlyFans. Um, yeah, that's a website that exists. Um, that's out there. Otherwise, when was the last time on- it was updated? Uh, you know, um, uh, uh, pre-COVID, you know, <laughs> August of 2019. I'll give the was yeah, OnlyFans was... a website when your last when your last blog post was? <laughs> Why do you think I haven't updated it? I've been so busy with my own, you know. Only... <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know, uh, check out my website. I update it, you know, every decade or so, you know. Um. 
Otherwise, yeah, you can find me on Facebook, but just be forewarned, I'm, I get political sometimes. Uh, but yeah, and uh, I'll be, odds are, if not on the next 42 cast podcast, then maybe the one after that or the one after that. Um, and uh, currently, assuming I can get a hotel room, the plans are for me to be at DragonCon this year. All right. Well, Nate, James, and Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show. Always a pleasure. Awesome. And that's it for Shazam! Fury of the Gods. So, what did you think about the episode? What do you think about the fact that the DCEU is coming to an end, and this is the last movie that fully takes place within the DCEU? From now on, we're going to be in James Gunn's DCU. So what do you think about all of that? And what do you think about the name DCU to cover the DC movies instead of DCU, meaning the DC Universe, ergo the comics? You can let us know in a lot of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also leave us a review on any episode on our website at 42cast.com. You can also tweet to us or find us on our Instagram at 42cast. I also want to let you know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a way that you can help all the shows on the network. You can find that by going to patreon.com slash ESO network. You can look at the tiers. You can look at the different perks that you get for those tiers. And if you have the funds to contribute, we'd definitely appreciate it. You can also find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't have to buy the episodes to follow along with us because we explain everything important that happens. But if you want to follow along with us, if you have the ability to watch the episodes with us, you will definitely get more out of it. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Time Streams. The other show is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but this time joined by Joe, Corey, and Ashley, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's the movies, the TV shows, the comics, the novels, anything that happens in the Star Wars universe. We'll tell you how we feel about the media that we reviewed, whether we think that the story is worthwhile or not, but then we'll also talk about it in the context of the evolving Star Wars narrative. What things got kept, what things didn't get kept, what things got altered as the storylines moved on, and new movies came out, and things had to be retconned, and all of that. So if that sounds interesting to you, that is Legendary Forces. In other news, uh, Beth and I are finishing up the last season of Titans. We're watching Clone Wars. Very new to that one. We're still in the first season on it. I'm waiting for when it gets to be the epic, awesome show that everybody tells me it is. Because right now, a lot of the stories feel like, well, yeah, this would fit in with the prequels, which I didn't really care for all that much. A lot of really goofy buffoonery and really awkward dialogue and all that kind of stuff. So I know it's supposed to pick up at some point. I know it's supposed to be really excellent at some point. So I'm just waiting for that to happen. So we'll see how that goes. But yeah, otherwise we haven't really picked up anything new yet. I think I'm going to recommend we start watching Cobra Kai since we did watch all the Karate Kid movies. So, you know, that's another thing that like everybody's raving about right now. So I'm really curious about how good it is. So uh, watch this space, and I'm sure we'll talk about it sooner or later. Nothing's changed in con news. Still planning on going to Fan Expo Chicago and Chicago TARDIS. Don't think I'm going to make it to any other cons this year. All right, so that's a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Emma Dumont will be back on the show. Yes, Emma's come on the show to talk about science. We get a little off topic talking about science, but we keep it somewhat within the sphere of science, if that makes sense. 
So we've definitely decided that we're going to do another one after this one. Uh, when we get together again, we are going to be more focused. But yeah, definitely recommend everybody tune in next time. Listen to him and I chat, and you'll get about as candid a chat as you will get from us. It is pretty much just one of our normal conversations. Uh, so <laughs> we'll, we'll be more structured later. So I hope you enjoy that as much as we enjoyed doing it. But yeah, uh, until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2023. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42 cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42 Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.